0: Folks, it's week five. It's Dolph and Jets week, so who do you else do you think I could get here? This is episode 187. I keep saying this, but we're on the road to 200, folks. And like I said, when the Jets play the Dolphins, you know I have to get the biggest feud in the podcast on the podcast. You already see them. We're live on Twitter tonight. Danny, on video for the first time ever, and Big yeah. Rat 310 back once again. Fellas, how are we doing tonight?
1: Phenomenal, man. Pumped, Pumped up. Ready to go. Yeah, a little, so, uh, one, watching some what is this, SMU UCF?
2: So yeah, my my guy Rhett Lashley. Uh, even though SMU's losing a lot of transfers I saw earlier this week. Uh, so hopefully they can get some win, build some momentum. But yeah, otherwise, doing good, just working. Other than that, doing great.
0: Same, same just working. Uh, I still got a pack as I leave for Boston in the morning, which I'm very excited for. We'll talk about oh, that, that that's in a bit. Right. That's
2: this week, huh?
0: Yes, that is. That is this week. First um game, and-
2: First game in Foxborough, right?
0: First ever game in Foxborough. Very, long very excited. Coming. Yes, long, long time coming indeed. But like me, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I have been watching some time. I'm trying to binge watch the Donner stuff on Netflix. It's a little creepy, but I've been enjoying it. Oh, you, so, actually, got,
1: you actually got through it a little bit?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm on like my, episode... I
1: had to turn it off, man.
0: It was just I'm, on episode like, I'm on like episode seven. It gets, it gets less creepy, but creepy at the same time. Episode one is pretty creepy. Yeah, no, I
2: couldn't yeah. get through it, man. That like, I mean, there's so much. It's a, I haven't started it yet, but I've seen some of the other Dahmer content that's been out there. He's just like a very different serial killer than all the others. Like, just the way he thought about everything was wild.
0: Yeah, it's like a weird fascination with all that stuff. It's just like you watch and you're like, what the fuck? But at the same time, too, you're just so, like, captivated and then you're thrilled by it. And also, yeah. folks, I just want to give a heads up. Tonight, unlike some wrestling promotions, there won't be any backstage in altercations during this podcast. I know we'll that's happened, it. but... We'll try not to. We'll try not to. Be verbal, no physical. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, I meant to do. I saw some people do this for betting on Monday night. Danny and I, I was on San Francisco. Danny saw that Vegas took an L on Sunday, and he said 49ers all the way.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: I have a parlay I like for tomorrow night, and that's our favorite wide receiver. His yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor's out. I don't know how we're going to get through this Thursday night game, but this feels like a real loser leaves town kind of game.
2: Yeah, the Colts, the, it, this is the this is the kind of game where the loser of this game, that team's beat writers, are going to have like the scathing articles, the scathing columns. You know, although for Denver, I mean, for Indianapolis, it'll be a little more serious because those columns will call for job security, call for people getting fired. Whereas in Denver, no one's getting fired, but it would just be like a massive disappointment given all the – resources they've spent on this team. I keep forgetting that the Colts are one, two, and one. It feels like they're 0-4, but they're yes. one, two, one, two and one because they tied in that week one game. But they're like they're oh two and one in the division, which is just awful. Like that's a very terrible way to start the year. Uh and no, no, so it just I, I have no clue. Like it's just it's both these offenses have been very bad. The Colts I believe are last in the NFL in points per drive. Dead last, which means the Baker Mayfield Panthers score points on their drives more often than the Colts do. That's how bad it is. So who knows what the, the thing is you can't
1: just write off Jacksonville this year as a win. You know, they no. actually look very competent. That defense has impressed me so much. Um, you know, and they even tied with the Houston Texans, which you would think would be a gimme win. So, you know, that that Colt team really it's gonna if they lose tomorrow, uh it's gonna it's gonna look ugly for them. But I'm going I know you said Pittman, but my boy Alec Pierce tomorrow I think I'm gonna I'm gonna ride him. He's been, uh, he's been getting more and more involved. So I'm going to look towards, towards him tomorrow.
0: I just think Pittman's been too quiet this year. And with Taylor being out, I feel like this could be, you know, that showcase game where Pittman can kind of go, not like the I'm him, like what Debo did on Monday night, making Jalen Ramsey, put him in a fucking spin move. But um, I just think this is a game where Pittman can kind of establish himself as a true receiver. Alec Pierce could too at the same time. I'm just thinking that – I could see a world too, like where Pittman gets majority of the carries and then Pierce gets the touchdowns. You know, like it's one of those things, like where in fantasy Dalvin Cook can get all the yards and then Alex Ma- Alexander is the one that in. Well, to punch it.
2: Well, to Danny's point though, um, Patrick Sertan has been a monster this year. Yeah, has. Like, been defended Devonte Adams very well. Like, he's been really strong the whole year. So that's why, to your point, for Pittman, the better the better bet might not be. You know, hoping he has a 100 yard gain, the better bet might be if he just connects in the red zone just because he's bigger and taller than almost anyone. And that being where he maybe catches.
0: I'm not going to take, like, a, I wouldn't take like a 100 yard game for him. No, I'm saying like 50 or 60. I'm not saying a, like a 100 yard game for him. No, no, no. I would never, I would never bet for like him. That's like the only players I think I would do that for is like Cop, Samuel, Jefferson, like the cream of the crop for the receivers. Like that's, or Hill, or, Ty, or Tyreek Hill, like those kind of players I take 100 yards on. I would never. About hundred yards for Michael Pittman. Not yet. Not yet. At least
2: the spread for this is Wilson and Karen. Shut, shut up. We'll, we'll see about to, that this, this weekend. Save that best uh, for last. But the problem with the spread on this game, which is why like it's kind of a stay away for me. Um. By the way, I am fourteen and six this year on my Fab Five. I am fucking killing it. I was also on San Fran. I was, I, I was shocked, shocked that they weren't the clear favorite going into that game. Like they. The Rams' O-line is awful. The Niners' defense is excellent. They always play the Rams tough. It was that, in San Francisco. Six was Jeff's
0: kiss. That
2: was, that was easy. Like, that was maybe the easiest line of the year. Um, but the problem with this game, because no one wants to bet the Colts, obviously. Everyone's, like, terrified of them. Even if the Broncos win, do you really trust the Broncos to win by a big Like, all their wins have been very, very tight. And you need them to win by four or more. So it's just it's hard for that reason to kind of figure it out.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, I like when I look at this line, I don't know if I'm going to take the line, but I like if I had to, I would take Indy plus just because it's plus three and a half. If it was plus three, I'd lean Denver, I'd lean Denver to win by a field goal, but that three and a half really scares me. So give me Denver to win, but the Colts to
2: cover.
1: Hey, man, they have a win over the Chiefs too, so don't forget that.
2: They do, but I would, but they, they just look so bad in all their other games. Like they look so bad. The Jags are legit, I agree. They lost twenty-four to zero. It's not like they lost by a field goal, you know.
0: Yeah, but then my thing too is with this game, I think this is a get-right game for Denver. It's like remember Big Rat we were saying last week? What'd you say last Monday? Vegas, that was the game to take minus two and a That's, half. Them to the the win. Bible league, baby. Exactly. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be honest with you. I for some reason I got cold feet and backed out. Took the Cowboys, but the one if you want to hear something cool for survival though. My fiance is in the same league as I. Took the Jets in her in, as her survival team. Look at her. Wow! She
2: Smart took cookie. the Jets. Smart um, cookie, that's and
0: yeah, but so that's the one thing I was going to say. So that's where I think Denver has like not a get-right game, but just a game where you know they eke out a win. Also, too, when I look at that over/under, I, I I don't. That's the other thing too. I want to stay away from it under, but this reeks of like a, you know a twenty to seventeen kind of football game. Uh, I
2: thought Denver even. I was on the Raiders, and I did – uh, sorry to cut you off, then. I'll, I'll be very quick on this. I did yeah, promote no, – right. I just have to say it again, Oddcast, I did promote, take the Raiders in Survivor League. The 0-3 Raiders, take them in Survivor League, and that was that was very nice, very easy. The Broncos' offense looked a lot better. Like, I know they lost, but, like, they looked competent. Russ looked a little more like himself. So, mm-hmm. reasons for hope there, too, even though they lost that game
0: my big question, though, is how is their run game going to look now with Javante Williams out for the season? That's my big question. Can, Mal- can Malvin nice. Gordon be a horse back there?
1: Oh, you're talking about Denver, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's my big question. Obviously, Taylor's out, but Javante M- Williams is M- done for the Gordon, year.
1: He, listen, man, he's a fumble away from being on the bench, man. He's fumble, he has a huge fumbling problem this year. So, I mean, I don't know if that's going to be a mental thing with him or whatever, but if I'm, if I'm Nathaniel Hackett one more fumble that we lose – we're going to the next guy. And I just picked up Latavius Murray, who looked good in London. He, he looked like he still had some juice to him. So.
0: Yeah, so we'll see. Um, but I think – so are we all in the same boat, though? Denver wins with the Colts cover? I got the Colts winning. Oh. Uh,
2: I think it's going to be a field goal either way. So I guess probably Colts cover. Um, But I'm not as confident in who wins. I think it's going to be, like you said, a 2017 game. I don't know who. I mean, Denver's been a little bit better. If you had to pick which of the two teams has been better, it's been Denver um, by a hair. Yeah, uh, but yeah, not, not a lot of confidence. in. Sam. Russ, um, Russ
1: just isn't the same guy either, man. You got to say that. He's just he, – he,
2: he is not – he's, 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 he's definitely not a lead. Well, he also doesn't – he doesn't he doesn't run anymore either. Like, he doesn't have that dual threat ability he had when he was younger. Like, it's a lot more lim- – he does it every now and then. but It's a lot more limited. It's not as much of a threat. And some of the Seahawks people were saying this, if you followed it closely – Kind of oh, at I the end of the Seattle run, you can kind of see this a little bit, you know? Like, this is not – it hasn't been 2015, Russell Wilson, for a while now. Yeah. I so was watching
1: I'm them very closely in the past two years. <laughs> very <laughs>
2: very
0: that, that's still one of the best trades Joe Douglas has done in his time as the Jets GM. But yeah, we're going
1: – Top three, at least.
0: Well, we're going back over the pond for this next one, Packers-Giants. Big Rat, Danny presented me with this take. I brought it up on my podcast last night, but I wanted to ask you on your opinion. Are the 2022 New York Giants the 2021 Carolina Panthers? Are they the same team?
2: Yes and no. So yes, in the sense of obviously they're not a legitimate three and one team. Obviously they're not like you know pro- they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're probably not beating anyone make special. Make any noise. All that is all that is a hundred percent true. But where I will fight the comparison a little bit is I don't think the fate of the 2021 Panthers is the same. I don't think they're going to finish 5-12 and 12 like that team did, where that team was a total disaster down the stretch, starting a bunch of different quarterbacks. I do think the Saquon – I mean, the Saquon Renaissance is obviously real, and I do think Dable's done a good job. So it's more of a kind of thing where they could be a 500 team, um, which I think is an improvement over what the Panthers were. So, no, they're not legitimately 3-1, and one, but I don't think they're a bad team either. I think they're just a solid average team. Is the better to comparison than to look at it would be the 2020 Bears? The yeah. Nick Foles Bears? Yeah, that works. That team finished 8-8. So, yeah, I think that, that one fits probably a little bit better. And yeah. to clarify that, um, they do have the right coaching
1: staff. They do. Because yeah. look at the way they're winning games, man. Daniel Jones still hasn't passed for 200 yards. They have nothing at wide receiver. And, and they're winning games. So, you've got to give them credit for that. Hats off to them for that. Um, so, at least you know your, your coaching staff is there. Matt Rule clearly is not – Shouldn't be coaching the Panthers anymore, but um, you know, I I just see them getting to having a big losing streak here. You know, everyone thinks they're going to beat the Seahawks. I don't think that's a given. They're just getting lucky, I feel. But they're winning. They are winning. So hats off to them.
0: And also, too, Andrew Thomas at left tackle has made a huge leap and really, really, really every week, consistently high PFF grades. I know some people take those for like whatever, like Madden ratings, but those those ratings are a big deal when you look at it. And. Uh- Not a big deal, but, like, they go for a lot of merit. Like, it's not just, like, you know, some kid out there, like, one of us being like, yeah, you get, like, an 80 for this game. You get this. No, this is, like, true data analytics.
2: Well, and also, Brandon Thorne, Brandon Thorne from Establish the Run, you can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Thorne NFL. He, like, his whole thing is offensive line play, and he has a bunch of offensive linemen on his show. Like, he's done podcasts with Teron Armstead. He's done podcasts with Landon Dickerson. He knows what he's talking about, and he has respect from former offensive linemen. And he... He was saying, like, this week, like, not only has Andrew Thomas played very well, he thought his rookie year wasn't as bad as everyone said it was. He thought that it was mostly mental. The physical gifts were still there. He was just struggling adjusting to the NFL speed. And he predicted back then that he would be really improved. Because if you remember, during his rookie year, he was written off as, like, this galactic bust. And obviously, he's been very, very good since then. So, yeah, they have they have pieces. And by the way, Wondell Robinson hasn't made his impact on this team yet. There's people associated with the Giants that think he's their best receiver. So the offense has room to grow, even if you don't like what you currently see.
0: They also, they're getting Nick Gates back at practice. Uh, Evan Neal has struggled a little bit, but I think Evan Neal's not like a write-off bus or anything like that. I think Dead that he's, last. I think it's and, like a very similar thing, you know, like don't let the rookie year impact. I think Evan Neal's going to be a solid right tackle in this league. But with this game though, I'm going to come at it from the Green Bay perspective. Big Rat, you're going to hate me for this. Last year, Bucks Patriots, close game in New England. What did the Bucs do the next week?
2: They destroyed the Dolphins in a I historic beatdown.
0: I see the exact same thing happening here. This is a get right game for Aaron Rodgers. I think this is the Romeo Dobbs game that Danny was looking for last week. I think that.
1: Motherfucker, man.
0: You know what <laughs> I mean? I think that this is just that they go over the pond. Because this, this usually happens a lot of the times going over the pond. The game's either close or they're just completely one sided. And I just, I see that this way. Just, you know. Green Bay coming off. Not a bad game, but like, not, not it was it was a bad win. Like, you know, a close game. Bailey Zappi went out there, did his thing. But then the fact too that the Packers had to squeak out a win when everyone thought that the Packers were gonna wipe the floor with the Patriots. So I think this is a game where the Packers kind of, you know, that dominant win, but then it leads to are the Packers back to being a Super Bowl team, which in reality, I don't think so. Like we said I said this someone, we were playing all the whole levels of concern last night, or are you concerned about them? And I said for the Packers, they're a playoff team, but they're they don't look like a Super Bowl team to me.
1: I think they overlooked you guys last week, and, you know, they had to yeah. zone in a little bit. That Jack Jones pick six was so impressive, by the way. Like, New England is just a fucking cornerback factory, bro. Hats off to that. But, um, yeah, no, this is definitely a get-right game. They're not going to play down. These London games can get a little bit weird. We've seen that shit over the years. Um, But there's no excuse why Aaron Rodgers shouldn't win this game by over two touchdowns. There's, there's no way why.
0: Yeah, the the plus, plus eight is tricky, but this definitely should be like a 14 to 17 point game. Like a, I don't know, like a 31 to 14 game, something like that. Like where, and also to the fact too that the Giants quarterback room is banged up and Daniel Jones, even if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. I,
2: I, I do agree with everything that was said. The only thing is that, like one of the reasons why Patriots, and like Danny kind of hinted at this, but like the only reason why Patriots, last week the Patriots were good value, I thought because the way Green Bay had been winning, Their offense was only averaging, I think, 16 points per game going into last week. And when you're averaging 16 points per game, it's hard to cover a 9, 10-point spread. Like, it's just logistically that's hard to do with very low margin for error. Um, But you are seeing, like, I think, I forgot if it was Albert Breer or Rich Eisen. I forget who it was. One of them said, you can see why this Packers team could be an explosive offense in December. Like, the pieces are there. Like, you can see how if Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson grow into their roles, they will be a lot better in December than they are now. So, I think at any point from now until then, there will be that inflection point week where he throws for three touchdowns. They have 300-yard passing and all that other stuff that could very well come this game. I don't know. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's next week. I don't know. If it's this week, they'll cover the spread. So, Uh, It's a stay away from me, but I can definitely see the case for how the explosion happens.
0: If you're up early enough and you want to bet this, I'm going Green Bay spread, and I'm going going to to take the points on this one as well. Um, But now, obviously, we're saving your guys' game for last. Now it's my turn. I'm just going to say this quickly. I'm only going to say three points about this game. Throwback uniforms. I'm going to be there. And what I just learned, Belichick's 400th game coached as the Patriots. With the Patriots. That's all I'm going to say about this game. This game is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a big 12 shootout or it's going to be the game, you know, where everyone's expecting points and then it's just like falls flat. That's what this game is going to be. It's either one of those ways. But give me the Patriots give me that. It's plus three. The flying has fluctuated a little bit. It was it started at, 2.5, at two and a half. Now it's at three. The more I look at this, I just think that the Patriots' defense can play better than the Lions' defense because obviously the Lions' defense is Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah, you guys should be able to run all over that Lions defense. That was an atrocity what they had last week against the Seahawks. Literally, you and me could have won for 100 yards in that game. Um,
0: but, and rode the cart back to go take a shit.
1: You know, if it's going to be an offensive shootout, though, because this Lions offense has been impressive. I don't know if um, St. Brown's supposed to play this game or not in Swift.
0: None of them practiced. St. Brown didn't practice. Swift didn't practice. Hawkinson didn't practice. Josh yeah, Reynolds so- didn't practice. Hawk, yeah.
2: Hawkinson, Hawkinson didn't practice last Wednesday either. He still plays, oh, okay. so.
0: he, he 35 fantasy points for me in the YWC football top fantasy league where I ran the floor <laughs> with Matt Lorenzo because of that.
1: But the key guys that they were missing last week, you know, Swift and Saint Brown. You know, if they're if they're not in, I think you guys win this in a landslide. But if if the Lions' offense continues to roll and you know they're putting up 20 plus 20 plus points, it's going to be hard for Billy Zappy. I mean, the defense is bad on Detroit side, yes, but the guy did not look good. He didn't look I, good. You guys protected him a lot. Um. So we'll see. We'll see.
0: I, I think this game, too, is like Pittsburgh, where it comes down to which quarterback fucks up the least. Could
1: be.
2: Yeah. So Jared Goff's look good, though. Jared Goff has looked good. And I, I think that the Lions here, I'll give Randy his first stat of the day, uh, number one in the NFL in yards per play on offense. Number one. Mm-hmm. According to yards per play, this is the best offense in football. And – in part, that has to be due to the fact that they have the worst defense in football. I think I saw a stat. They're the first team since the merger that has scored more than 35 points on offense and allowed more than 32 points on defense uh, as an average across all four games. It's pretty crazy. Like, for any of you DFS players out there, I made I made a nice little $50 uh, just playing a stack with the Seahawks and the Lions. Because that game was like going to be a shootout, clearly. And with the Lions, you have to watch this every week, every game they play. In could be in the 30s. Kobe so Myers, if he's in your fantasy league this week, I don't know if he's coming back. But if he is coming back. I think that be this would be a good week to start him because he could probably go for a good yardage, even with Bailey Zappi, Hoyer, Mack, whatever they end up doing. Myers,
0: um, Myers did practice today. He was limited, but he did practice along with Mac. Mac did practice as well.
2: I saw Mac was limited. It, what is the expectation? Is the expectation that Zappi it's Zappi again? Or is there actually a chance Mac coming back?
0: I haven't seen anything for the beat reporters. They've been staying kind of hush because obviously they're just told what Belichick says to them in the press conference. Like I've seen Zach Cox, Mark Daniels, Phil Perry, all those guys. They haven't given too, too much away. But I've seen some fans, what they've said is they'd rather have Mac start at 60%. And then if Mac is just too too hurt to go, then you put in Zappi. You know what? See what Mac's got. And then if Mac doesn't have doesn't have it, or he like looks a little shaky. Then you pull him out. Then you put Zappy, and that's where you game manage. That's where I think if Bailey Zappy does start, I don't know if this is going to be a shootout necessarily. Even though he was apparently his overs did cash well at Western Kentucky. I don't that that much on Western yeah. Kentucky because let's be honest, if you're betting random those random colleges, maybe it's time to call the hotline. But like I said, the three factors throwbacks. I'm in the building, and Bill Belichick's 400th game, coach of the New England Patriots. That seems like a recipe for, for I, a you got
1: You got a little Locktober take that.
0: Not with that. Maybe with that one. Maybe with that one. My Locktober for tomorrow, which I will tell you guys off air, That is let me me – I have got some weird people liking my stuff. Like some – Like it's like chastity shit. Like it's really fucking weird. I'm just trying to be like locks, like betting locks, not like weird weird stuff. But you're like, yeah, yeah, if you go look at who's followed me, like I had some weird – I'll share it to you guys in the DMs. I had a weird-ass follow earlier today. But um, you know what? You know what? Fuck it. New England Patriots money line. <laughs> Locktober. Lock it in. My lock. My gym bag is over there somewhere, and I don't want to run and grab it. I'm not prepared.
2: I think I think the Patriots probably win this game, but I would. The spread. The spread is a little scary because the Lions are always a threat on the back door. Like even if the Patriots are up by ten points, the Lions will keep throwing down the field, and they kind of did this against the Eagles. Like the Eagles were only four-point favorites and did not cover because the Lions just kept throwing it in the fourth quarter. They're always a risk for that. And the Lions, it's kind of a big game for the Lions too. Obviously, it's huge for the Patriots. They're 1-3. and They need to get their season back on track, all that other stuff. They're at home. The Lions cannot afford to lose many more games. And if you look at their schedule, they still play the Packers twice. They still have to play the Vikings again. Like, they play the Dolphins. They play the the Bills. Bills. On Thanksgiving. Like, they just – they really they really got to start winning some games and i do think this is a winnable game for them but i just the coaching this match to me is pretty significant and the patriots have the number 1 rushing offense in the league you know for all the all the it's funny griff like all the consternation that people had about the offense and the way they were playing offense in the summer and if they're going to change it and all that It's the number one rushing offense in football. Like, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson may not get the same national respect as Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley, but the running game's been just as good as those teams have been, so it's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, and Ramondre Stevenson, too, has been working as a pass catcher out of the backfield as well, so he's really reliable in that sense. Um, My personal take, though, I do think Damian Harris is gone at the end of the season. I think that, you know what, they're going to move in. They drafted Pierre Strong this year, Kevin Harris. was They drafted two running backs this year, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, one from uh, South Dakota State, one from South Carolina. So I think... Running back's always been a revolving door in New England. <clears throat> and that's just going to continue with Harris. They may resign him. It's just that's the thought I have. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm going to lock down the Patriots. Luckily, in my spread pool that I'm in, it's the spread at the start of the week, so it stays at minus two and a half for the Patriots. So in that sense, I'm sticking to the Pats. But at that plus three, I'm not. I don't want to put money on that. I'm just going to put money on the for them to get the win, and that's all.
2: That makes sense. That's fair.
0: Yeah. Um. Before I say anything, because I think we all know who's going to win, is this a trap spread, or do you think the Bills are legitimately going to cover this?
2: Trap spread. Yeah, I, I'm I'm more torn um, because this – I think Adam Schefter said this is the largest underdog the Steelers have ever been ever in their franchise history. They've never been 14-point dogs. And historically, Mike Tomlin does well in these spots when people give them no chance, when they're on the road. Like, they beat Buffalo last year with Old Big Ben in Buffalo – when they were, like, seven-point underdogs. But I will say my only hesitation with that is that the Bills, with the exception of last week against the Ravens, when they win, they crush. When they win, they win by, like, 30 points. Like, that's how they – especially especially when they're at home. Like, whenever – like, last year when they played, like, the Texans and the Washington football team in Buffalo, and they just, like, murdered them by, like – 40 to
0: nothing, I believe, that game was against the Texans.
2: And it's just, like, that. That that's what concerns me. Like, with a rookie quarterback – like I know it's Tomlin. I know the Steelers have never been this big of an underdog ever in their history and I know the bills have injuries. It's just I'm scared because if this were any other team, if this were not Pittsburgh, if this were not Mike Tomlin, I would take Buffalo minus 14. So because it's the Steelers, I have no idea what to do.
0: I think I'd avoid betting this spread and I think this is a game you avoid completely. The one thing I would say though is I like the points. I like it that it's at 46 and a half. that seems like very very doable for this game. Um, I will say this, though, and we obviously learned more about the 13 seconds and everything from Greg when he was on. Yep. That was a coaching masterpiece after the Bills' interception of Jordan Poyer late down when they went and won the game. That was coaching 101. I think McDermott really redeemed himself there for everything that was said. Obviously, we learned that was a special teams error, like Greg said a couple months ago. But that's just one point I wanted to point out with them. And the fact, too, that you came back and won that game. For Buffalo, I think it's big volumes going forward, but – This is either going to be a game where people – where they win and it's like win ugly. Like I remember last year they were plus 15 and a half – minus 15 and a half, excuse me, against Atlanta. And the Falcons won by 15. So I can see like a 10-point win, but I can't see anything crazy. I can see, you know, Pittsburgh finds a way. Because remember too, Pittsburgh beat Buffalo week one last year. I know obviously it was Ben, but it's still a very similar team. It's just that no T.J. Watt factor has been killing them ever since he went out.
1: And I don't know how much you guys actually saw that Jet steeler game, but I was impressed with Kenny Pickett, man. Like, you know, I know it's, 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 he had zero interceptions throwing three uh, three picks, but two of those picks really weren't his fault at all. Yeah. You know, he had the critical backbreaking pick. Of course, that was bad. But, you know, just a, brought in at halftime. Wasn't, you know, wasn't getting the one reps uh, all week in practice. So, you know, but what I saw, man... I think he could be something. Um, George Pickens, he unlocked him. He clearly had his best day. We saw that in preseason. So that connection is clearly there. Um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick was the best player on the field, hands down. That guy's just a stud. So if they can if they can game plan this well, I, I think they easily cover this game. Easily, man.
0: I think I Pittsburgh or you know, Buffalo.
2: Buffalo.
1: I mean, um, Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I think they easily cover that 14. I, I don't think. Um, the Steelers will be as stagnant on offense as they were with Mitch Trubisky, and that's going to sway some things. You know, they're they're basing these spreads off of what Mitch Trubisky has done. I think Kenny at least adds more value. You know, on the point spread.
2: Well, and, I, the, and I, I still, for me, it's still a stay away. Um, but I will say, like one thing to Danny's point, I believe Tre'Davious White, uh, much like Byron Jones, which we'll get to later. Even though they were supposed to come back this week, both of them. Um, Trinity Swipe didn't practice today, so I don't think he is coming back this week after all. And if you look going into the season, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, versus the cornerbacks the Bills are going to have out there, you would think that's a huge edge for Pittsburgh. So that is certainly an advantage that certainly helps the Steelers. Again, it's just – I think with rookie quarterbacks, like, it's always going to be up and down. Like, like they're going to show some progress, and then they're going to have a three-interception game. A real three-interception game, not that one. Like, one where all three are actually meaningfully their goal. And so I just think it's very volatile week to week. You know, I think he'll probably play better at home than he does on the road. So I could see how the Steelers do it. But for me, I'm more like Danny seems more, they're going to cover. I'm more, they could cover. They could not, I'm not...
1: Definitely not the best, uh, best bet on the board. I'm not saying that.
2: Yeah. It's like, I think
0: this is just, you just avoid it. Just avoid it. Like if this, if this was college, yeah. Like this is one of those bets in college. You'd feel more confident in betting. Like, Hell a month ago, I hit Alabama minus 49 and a half. So this is this ain't Alabama. Um I'm gonna give you three se- I'm not you yeah, not even three simple words. I'm just gonna say this. This just seems like a Tom Brady pissed off game. Like he comes out there and just lights the world on fire. He's Coast unbeaten. He's unbeaten against the Falcons too. It's like the Dallas Cowboys, you know, where I think a, some of us were like cohorced, like thinking in like how last year, remember Dallas week one went into Tampa Bay covered, I think it was like six and a half or something like yeah, that.
2: Covered. Yeah.
0: Especially with the Cordell Patterson injury too. I think this is an easy, I think this is the, the same thing too, like where the Packers and the box win and like first takes going to be going, oh, they're back in the Super Bowl conversation. They're back to being this. But in reality, it's just like, like how we said, there's just those like certain like mountaintops, like the highs and lows. And I think this is a high week for the box.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, Tom Brady's absolutely destroyed the Falcons his entire career. Um, I think the Falcons have been playing well on offense. But, you know, this is just a bad matchup for them. It always has been, you know, since Brady's been in the NFC South. uh, I think he's just going to continue to do what he's been doing. And uh, we're just another week closer to Desmond Ritter.
2: And I think, uh, in my opinion, I will say the one thing about the Bucs is that I don't think their offense is fixed. I think because they got Chris Evans – I mean, Chris Godwin came back. Mike Evans was off his suspension. So they all came back and they, saw 31, they scored 31 points. So you look at it at surface level and you probably think, oh, you know, they're kind of getting back to the elite offense they were last year. Yeah. Their metrics are terrible across the board. And I know it's only a four-game sample. Two of those four games, everybody was healthy. Like Evans, Godwin, and Julio all played week one, even though Godwin left the game like around the second half. Uh and and they all played week two, except for Godwin, and I think except for Julio. But Ed- Evans did play. And Evans got kicked out of that game, too. Yeah, and four – so out of a, a four-game sample, two of the four games, they generally had everyone healthy. And all their metrics suck. All their metrics say this is one of the worst offenses in football. And, yes, they scored 31, but it was the kind of game where the Chiefs got so far out ahead – that it, was, it turned into a little bit of a track meet, and they were scoring, but they were always, they were never really threatening. The touchdowns were always coming when they were down 14, down 17. You know, I don't think they ever got it within three points, if I remember correctly. I think it was, you know, pretty much a route the whole way. And it's,
0: it's that whole, like, so you say we have a chance, but you don't really have a chance kind of thing. I think with the Bucks too, they're going to be that team that they beat up on weaker opponents, Yeah. but then they do that. So then they make you think, hey, this team is good, they're back, but then when it comes down to the finer points, they're not going to be able to hang. Like when they play the good competition, like how they looked against Kansas city, they played Baltimore in a few weeks. So that's going to be a real litmus test for them. But yeah, this game, like I said, I think this is just that game where Tampa not get, not gets right, but it's that game where Tom kind of
2: does. Yeah. They're definitely winning. Like there's no world where they lose. (laughs) That, 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 that that is a given, I guess for me on the, because originally I had the Bucks in my in my five picks this week. And now like over the past few days I've just been kind of wavering on it. Um I would if you have to pick a side, pick them. But I would I would also probably stay away from this one too. Just because if the Bucks offense does play bad again and they only score twenty points, that's it's hard to cover a spread this big when you're not scoring, you know, thirty or more. So uh, I would stay away personally, but Bucks is probably the right side if you have to pick one.
1: Yeah. And they need to get their their run game going, man. Lineup Barnett has not done anything this year, so I think they should. They, they might really focus on that, like, hey guys, let's get this run game going. You know, I think he had negative two yards last game. Yeah, like he only had in the negative. He only had three rushes, I think, or something three like rushes. Fun. Yeah, because they were behind from from for so long. So I think they're going to emphasize the run game for sure this week. And uh, yeah, they should cruise. Honestly, they should. If if not, that's a red flag. And that if anyone knows
0: Todd Bowles is a head coach better than anyone, it's Danny.
1: No. <laughs>
0: I don't know how to feel about this one. I think this yeah. is a game that can go either way. That five is tricky. The five is really tricky, but if it's the Saints are healthy, I'm going to lean Saints. But if the Saints are playing with like Andy Dalton again, I like that Seattle plus five.
2: This feels like a trap. Um, Like, cause it just the way it's designed, it's like the Seahawks just scored 48 points. The Saints are one in three. I think they have the second lowest point differential in the entire NFC. I think it's, I think the only team worse than them is Washington, and that's it. Like, they have a lower point differential than anybody else. And the Seahawks just scored a bunch of points, and Andy Dalton might play. So how come the Saints are five-point favorites? That's why I think it's kind of a trap. I think a lot of people are going to be on Seattle plus five in this one, thinking, okay, well, even if the Saints win, the Seahawks will keep it close because their offense is so good, and the Saints have Andy Dalton. It just – it scares me a little bit. You know, I I just – I have a feeling this is the get-right game for New Orleans because this Seattle defense is also terrible. They are dead last in every single defensive metric: EPA per play, yards per play, football outsiders, DVOA—dead last, at the very bottom. So it just wouldn't surprise me at all if the Saints win like a 27 to 20 kind of game. And even though everyone thought plus five was easy money, the Saints end up running away with it. But I mean, look—the Saints have been bad. Like objectively, the Seahawks have looked better. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a trap. So I would stay away or take the Saints if that's had to pick.
0: I also think with the Seahawks, too, everyone looks at games like last week or week one and thinks that, hey, this team's actually good. Like, how I remember last – like, I said this with week one. I always knew they were going to cover – I didn't think they were going to win the game. I just thought they were going to keep it close against Denver. But then week two, how everyone was on them. Everyone was like, against you know what? Niners. Yeah, the Niners, hey, they're good. And then they go out and they lay an egg against the Niners. I can see then- the exact same thing happening where this could be a get-right game for the Saints for all we know. The Saints are still a tricky team to figure out, but I think if you got to ask me which team's still going to be in the pitcher come December, I'm going with the Saints.
1: Mm, i go. Uh, you mean if you had to pick one?
0: Yeah, like who's still going to be in the playoff hunt come December time? I'm going to go sure. with New Orleans. I mean, the the variables of this game is is
1: Alvin Kamara going to play? Is Michael Thomas going to play? Is Jameis Winston going to play? Because it's two different game plans if you don't have those three guys. in. I mean, I know alavi has been been okay. He's been good, but he's been good. yeah. Yeah, but you know, like other than Olave, they have nothing at receiver, and you know they just lost the Tavius Murray. Mark Ingram is washed. This guy is this guy looked terrible out there. Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't even touch this game, but um, you would say to lean the Saints, but my boy J.L. Smith, hey man, he's been he's been he's been, been doing his thing. He's been doing his thing, man. So I could I could I see
0: Seattle covering this. No they doubt. wrote him off so he don't write back.
2: He's my his, guy. His, I don't think people really like for for general fans like, watching that have not like looked at his numbers very closely. His numbers are legitimately like the best quarterback in football. Like I'm not exaggerating. Like he leads yeah. in EPA per play. It's it's absurd. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, like they, I that coming. Yeah, but even still, though, with them, like they, every game they had, minus San Francisco, though, has been close. Like Denver, they hung in tough and won. Atlanta was a game that slept by the wayside for them, and then we all know about the big 12 shootout that we saw in Detroit last Sunday. So it's a big wait and see kind of game for that. But this one I'm going to go saints just because, but that I wouldn't be shocked if they cover that plus five. Um, I want to say something crazy. Why does Houston plus seven entice me? Is, am I being, am I being far out or is that something that could happen?
2: You are not. I have not the Texas plus seven in my group of five picks this week. Uh, because I like betting on desperate teams. Like, we talked about how the Colts look so bad, yet they beat the Chiefs. Like, that's because being down 0-2 in your home building, like, that meant a lot. And the Colts beat what everyone thinks is a far better team because of those circumstances. Um, it's beating the Raiders. And we, we love, love big spreads in division games. This is one of them. The Texans swept them last year, beat them both times, including in Jacksonville. The Texans are desperate themselves. They have the worst record in football right now at 03 and one. They need to win more than anybody else in the league. The Jags are kind of doing well standing wise. The Jags, even though they played awesome against the Chargers, I watched. I watched that Jacksonville Philly game in entirety um, because like the Dolphins weren't playing, and like the way my house works, like we have two TVs, one for red zone, the other like for any specific game, we want, and we wanted. We always really wanted to watch it, and Lawrence was bad like people know he was bad because of the turnovers I promise you it was a lot worse than that he he did not make a single play he made like one good throw to Christian Kirk in the second half and that was it like he literally just could not execute the offense it was tough to watch because the Jaguars could have won that game if they had better quarterback play Uh, because Philly like Jalen Hurts didn't do anything through the air everything was on the ground with Miles Sanders and so Jacksonville coming off that game you know that was a big game on the road and now they're kind of coming home. They're kind of still a young team, maybe a little overconfident, maybe like not really appreciating the situation. In a division game, Lovey Smith, he's been Texas defense has not been bad. They've been solid by most metrics. They've been a middle of the road defense, which you wouldn't expect given their talent level. But that's because Lovey Smith is doing a good job. Like he limited Russell Wilson and the Denver offense pretty easily. Like they lim they they were doing well against the Colts for most of that game. For the Colts the Colts kind of just scored a lot in the fourth quarter, but they were struggling the entire game before that. I think the Texans' defense can keep it close. I would not be surprised if the Jaguars win this game by less than a touchdown. So, give me a plus seven. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way, too. But my other thing with uh, Jacksonville as well, I think last week for them was that perfect lockdown spot as well when it came to the spread. You know they got the big win against the Chargers. It's like the Broncos last year. Broncos, remember, they had the big win against the Dallas Cowboys. Next week, Broncos host the Eagles. Eagles come in and take care of business. So, I think it's a similar thing. That's what I think with last week. This week, though, I like Jacksonville to win this game, but – when it comes to big spreads in a division in a divisional game, that's where I like. That's where I gotta say I really like the Texans to cover. Now I'm not saying I like the Texans to win. I just like the Texans to cover that plus seven. Also, too, one thing I want to point out with them, uh, Jerry Hughes is having quite the year for them as well.
2: Yeah, resiliency off the edge. It's been pretty impressive to watch. Kind of a little bit of a resurgence season. And look, this is the first game that Jacksonville's favored in all year. And kind of like the Lions last week when the Lions were initially six-point favorites at home and they'd only been that was only the second time they'd been favored in like two years. Same thing with Jacksonville. It's like, yes, they're better. Yes, I do think they're real. I don't think it's a fraudulent, you know, two-and-two two performance they have put up so far. But show me like seven-point favorites? Come on now. You've been the worst team in football for two years. Like, show it to me first. Yeah, like I Houston,
0: I, I, I took Seattle last week. That's all I'm going to say against. If if
1: you're in Houston, man, you just go back to the game tape of the of the Eagles and you see what Miles Sanders did. You know, Damian Pierce is really starting to come on. You know, he had a really good game last week. So if if if, if they can get that running game going, they're going to easily counter that spread. If not, I think Davis Mills is probably, you know, bottom two quarterbacks in this league. He's just not a threat to do anything at all. Um, so it's going to be a long day for them. So it's either a get right, you know, dominant, come out and and kill them. Jacksonville win, or it's going to be a close, you know, last second field goal kind of type win. But I still have them winning for sure, definitely.
0: Yeah, Jacksonville win, Houston cover. Not the same here. I don't think the same here. We're learning that, look, they're not throwing and David Montgomery's hurt. So with the Bears, it's like, like, I don't know what to say about the Bears. Like, I think Iberflues just I don't know what it is. I I also think this too, I think Minnesota is a legit force in the NFC. Not saying they're gonna win the Super Bowl, but there's that team no. that are gonna be in those in that conversation in the mix for a playoff spot in the NFC.
2: The I, I, I agree with you, but then we, we have to redefine force. If yeah. force yeah. You're My you're bet. competing for the seventh seed. Okay. I would not call that a force, even though that is what they could do.
0: I think they'll get like the fifth or sixth seed. I think they can get five, five or six, possibly seven, but five, six, seven—not a force, but they're. Um, how do I say this? They're a resurgence team. They're a team that I think under Kevin O'Connell's played a lot better. I think defensively, there's still some question marks, but offensively, they've looked moderately to good. It's just Justin Jefferson seems to have gone quiet ever since his explosive Week One game.
2: I mean, look—if we're being fair to the Vikings, they have what the fourth or fifth best record in the entire NFC right now. And one of that includes a tie with the giants. Like the only NFC teams that we think are actually good, that have better records than them or the same are the Eagles, Packers and Cowboys. That's it. And I do think the Cowboys are better than them. Um, yeah. Because I, I think this, I, I thought this one Dak went down, this Cowboys team is underrated, but we'll get to them later. Yeah. Uh, Vikings. I think this is a good week to take the Vikings in survivor. Um, I oh. think, yeah, I, I hate doing survivor in division games. That's one of my rules. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the Jaguars and Survivor for that reason. Because yes, I think they're winning. I'm not so convinced that they're obviously going to win that it's worth taking the risk. Um, Minnesota, when are you going to use them again? They already played the Lions at home, so there's no easier division game for them than this game is right now. Like they have some weird interconference games. They play the AFC East, so maybe, maybe you can play them against the Jets, I guess. But they still have to play the Dolphins. They still have to play the Bills. I wouldn't take them on Thanksgiving at New England. You know it's in Minnesota. Think. It's in Minnesota? Yeah,
0: the game, oh, the Thanksgiving game is in Minnesota.
2: Oh, this whole time. I thought it was in New England. Okay, well, nope. either way, I still wouldn't take them in that game either. So if you're looking at the Vikings, like me and Danny more so think they're going to be more of a 9-8 and eight kind of team. Griff, I think, thinks they're going to be more of a 10-7 and seven kind of team. Um, there's no real week to take the Vikings in Survivor because you can never trust Kirk Cousins. I think this is the closest you can do. I don't think you're going to regret burning them now. I think it's really unlikely they lose this game. The Bears – Cannot survive this way in 2022. I will say their defense has been good. Like their metrics say the defense has been an above average defense so far. Uh, So they do have that working for them. Eddie Jackson's had a nice kind of bounce back here when he was kind of an all pro a few years ago and kind of been slower the last few years. He's been a lot better this year, uh, making more impact plays at least, getting more interceptions, getting more tackles for loss. Roland
0: Smith has been amazing.
2: And uh, so I, I do think, they, I do think they, the Vikings will win. The spread, I have no idea. Like, you can easily see the Bears. The problem when you play the Bears is that they run the ball so much. They play good defense. So, like, all their games are slow. All their games don't have a lot of possessions. It's really hard for either team to possess the ball for a long period of time. So it's just – it's kind of hard. It, it's easier for them to cover plus seven than for other teams. I would, not, I would not take them in this game. I would just kind of avoid the game altogether. Take Vikings and Survivor. That's my right. It reeks of a backdoor cover. Yeah. So
0: many
1: avoid
2: games this week, huh? I, I I do have I do have my list. We just conveniently haven't gotten to many of those games. <laughs>
0: there's a lot of ugly games this week. That's what it is. There's a lot of games where it's like it's nothing. Sp- there's a, there's a couple that I look at that are like, hey, this could be something. But then there's just a bunch that are like, Oosh, like the next one, like this right yeah, here, no, like, right there. like like look at look at the graphic right now. This this game is just it's it's gonna happen. Um, when I see two and a half, I see it as if you're going to take that, you're going to take them to win. And when I look at these two teams, I think the Titans are the better football team. I know I've been I've been a little critical of them, and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But, man, Washington's been bad.
1: Real bad. And you heard what Ron Rivera said today. He's like, you know, he just doesn't have the talent pretty much is what he, what he said to the reporters, yeah. which, you know, obviously Washington fans know this guy doesn't have – the time to get it right you know I'm, I'm pretty sure he's out after this year i would i would think but the one good thing that they do have going for them is my guy brian robinson comes back this week he said he's supposed to be in the game this week which is huge man that is awesome for him to get shot in and be on a football field five weeks later ready to play a game that is just remarkable so hats off to that guy um you know they they, they have talent it's just like you don't go and put your franchise in carson Wentz hands man You've seen it happen with the Colts. You've seen it happen with the Eagles. What makes it any different that it's not going to work with your franchise? So I don't know what they were thinking there. I'm sure they're going to be the team to uh, overpay um, Cooper Rush next year or something because there's no way they can go back to Carson Wentz. I don't know what his contract looks like, but it's just not the answer, man. He'll never be the answer. He's not the same guy. So, yeah, um, as far as the Titans, it seems like they're getting uh, the ball rolling back a little bit. I know Big Red Sky Traylon Burks. Gonna be down for a couple of weeks, you know, which is unfortunate. But uh Derek Henry's looked good past two weeks. You know, he's looking like uh, King Henry again, so that's that's a big thing.
2: But they're still not impressive, man. I'm just not impressed by that team. So. I I I this is where I'll deviate a little bit. I think the commanders can win this game. I'm not saying I'm gonna pick them out right. I have strongly considered the commanders in my I don't I don't have them on my list right now, but I am gonna do a little more work into them this week because Here's the thing. Like, we talk about desperation, vulnerability spots. Like, the commanders very much need to win as badly as anybody. But the Titans are not, the Titans are definitely ripe for the picking. Like, they're not, like, they're the kind of team that you, they can kind of lose any week, like, to any team. I know they beat the Colts. The Colts have their issues, which we talked about. The Raiders have their issues. Like, I still think the Titans are just kind of a middling team that just happens to play in a very bad division. And yeah. I think they're ripe for the picking. I think that. The commanders look, I'm not gonna defend Wentz is not a franchise quarterback, so I'm not going to make that argument. The argument I'm gonna make is that he's capable of having um boom weeks that he hasn't had the last two weeks. Why is that? They played the Eagles, they played the Cowboys, who are the best pass rushes in the NFL right now. Both of them they both harassed Wentz, harassed the pocket, a lot of pressure in his face. The Eagles had a million stacks, the Cowboys really limited the commanders on early downs. Like it was a mess. I don't think the Titans are that kind of team. I do not think. With after Harold Landry's injury, I don't think they're going to abuse the line and like sack Wentz seven times in this game. So I think if you remember the first two weeks, the commanders' offense played really well. Now, playing well against the Lions obviously doesn't count, everybody does that, but they played well against this Jaguars defense that everyone is impressed with. Like Carson Wentz played better against the Jaguars defense than Jalen Hurts did, and they were both at home. You know, they were both at home when they played those defenses. Carson Wentz, you can argue, played better against the Jaguars defense than Justin Herbert did. Yes, injury and all that. Carson Wentz is not a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. But I do think with the offense, there's a lot of talent at the receiver position, at the running back position, especially if Brian Robinson comes back. The Commanders are capable of scoring 30 points in a given week. Not every week. That's why he's not a franchise quarterback. They won't be a great offense every week all year long. But they're capable of having that week one Jacksonville game again. Just because we haven't seen it in a few weeks <coughs> not in their system. It is in their system. And it would not surprise me at all if, if their backs against the wall. They go on the road and beat the Titans, which is what the Giants did a few, a few weeks ago. You know, And that didn't really surprise anybody. So I think the Commanders can win this game. If it gets to three, they will be on my list for sure. But at two and a half, I have to think about it a little closely. I'll track the injury report this week. But I would consider them over the Titans if I had to pick a spread in this game. And the thing is, like I said, man, them getting that power run
1: game going because that's yeah. not what Antonio Gibson is. They've been dying to move on from him. Um, you know, if, if that could be a huge thing on their offense. That can actually set up early action, you know, the way they've been using Curtis Samuel, like a Debo Samuel type. Um, so yeah, no, they definitely, I understand where you're coming from for sure. I'm just saying long-term Washington, you know what I mean? They, uh, they just need their quarterback away. So, but I know what you, I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. I, I this is just a game where I look at it. I'm like, it bl- blink and it's, you're going to miss it. It's it's, I feel like red zone's barely going to show it. I just look at it where I'm like, just is nothing to entice me or anything like that. But at the end of the day, because of the two and a half, I'm going to lean Tennessee if it gets to three, that's where the Commanders kind of can command the spread. No pun intended. Um, when it comes to intriguing, this is the game I look at for intriguing right here. Browns and Chargers. Because I know the Browns have had their moments, but Amari Cooper's having a pretty good season so far. He's, he's looked all right. Yeah, The one game against Cleveland, it looked pretty good. Jacoby Brissett hasn't been as terrible. I thought they'd be a one-and-three team. To be two-and-two, two, I think it's a win for them right now, even though those wins were against Pittsburgh and Carolina. Um but when it comes to this game right here, I just think the Chargers are the better team. That's that's, that's what I'm gonna say. I think it's just one of those, you know, it could be a t- it's gonna be a tougher and closer game. But I feel like it's gonna be one of those ones where it's like the Browns have a late interception and then the Chargers kind of like you know put this one to bed, kind of like how for the quote JBL ball game model, one of those kind of things. That's how I see this. And I had to get the wrestling reference in because obviously, why wrestling in the title?
2: I, this will be the first time all year. Hopefully the only time I have the Browns in my list at plus three. Now let's recalibrate a little bit at the start of the year. When me, you, me and you did that podcast with Greg, I said that this team would go like three and eight in Jacoby Brissett starts. I really did believe that. And nothing thus far has surprised me. Like I did think they'd lose week one. They were lucky to win that game. And obviously the Baker Mayfield Panthers have been a lot worse than we all thought they would. Not that, we knew the Panthers sucked, but we at least thought with Baker the offense <laughs> would be better than this. And the word they, of the day would be
0: competent.
2: They, they would not be the 32nd-ranked passing offense in the NFL or whatever it is. Never. Baker's 10 lost in QBR. And like, I never thought it would be that bad. Bad enough to where you actually might have to bring in Sam Darnold, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but I think the Browns, the defense has been a lot better than I thought it was. The secondary has been shaky, but that pass rush has been legit. Miles Garrett did return to practice today. He did return to practice. Remember, he didn't play last week in that Falcons game. And I think him coming back is a very, very big deal. The game is in Cleveland. Who is that?
0: White Baker Mayfield is bad. Ben McAdoo, offensive <laughs> coordinator of the Carolina Panthers.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. But 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 to, to, to Jacoby's credit, because I don't I still I still have traumatizing memories from Jacoby and the Dolphins. He was horrible. Like I, no one should reevaluate it. He was bad. It does make you wonder. Like, is this Stefanski-led offense more of a system offense than we gave it credit for? Did we overrate Baker's performance under Stefanski? And now we're seeing with him in Carolina, and now we're seeing with Jacoby in Cleveland, that, you know, it's kind of more of a systematized offense that seems to play well regardless of who the quarterback is. So I think the Browns are going to put up a good fight here. I think Miles Garrett is going to make a big difference in this game. I could easily see him having three sacks. I still think Herbert's not 100% healthy. They did beat the Texans. The Texans had the ball with a chance to win late in that game, which I thought was a red flag. Um, this Chargers team, there's just some weird voodoo around it with all the injuries. You're seeing the reports in The Athletic that maybe some people do or don't believe in Brandon Staley. I think in Cleveland, I think the Browns uh, is the, are the right side in this game. I'm not saying they're going to win. I think it's a coin flip game. Either team can win. But because it's a coin flip team, game and either team can win – Give me plus three. I think Miles Garrett. I think even after the car accident, I think Miles Garrett has a big day in this one. Very big day.
0: I just went into my spread pool before we get to Danny, and I just want to say this: I changed my spread pick to the Browns. You just convinced me that you know what? <laughs> I think the char- I think the Chargers are still going to win, but I think the Browns cover the spread.
1: Now, what's um? What are, What are the Chargers' rush defense in DBOA? Because Nick Chubb has just absolutely been excellent, brilliant. So I, yeah. I think a fantasy that, team thanks. Number- that number, that number is gonna make me determine where I'm going on that. Do you know Big Red? No, nah, yeah. So they're over,
2: their overall DVOA numbers are more are more limited. Um, in terms of like how much how much they allow, I, I can't find it right now. I think their overall DVA is in the 20s, but I can't tell you what because mm. that divides. There's divisions between run and pass, so I, I would have to see what the run yeah. is specifically. I can tell you yards per play for rushing allowed, yards per rush allowed. Chargers are seventeen. So, so I mean, if Nick Chubb, if Nick Chubb does what he
1: does every week, you know, maybe a little bit more, and they just you know they're able to just move the chains on, uh, you know, continuously. I think I think they could I think they could steal this game, man. Jacoby Brissett is a competent quarterback. I saw it happen against my Jets. Um, I was shocked to see them lose to the Falcons. Honestly, like I did not see that coming at all. Um, Amari Cooper, another one, man. He's gonna have that matchup with J.C. Jackson all week. That has been a bust signing so far. They are not happy with that guy. Um, You know, it's still early. You know, I really wanted him to, and I was very pissed off that we didn't sign him, but I'm looking foolish on that one so far. You know, and Big Rod said, man, the team just has voodoo around them. I don't know what's going on with Keenan Allen this week. You know, Joey is down, injury after injury with them, man. They just can't get out of their own way. Herbert's still not 100% healthy. I think this really has all the makings to be a Browns upset, man, especially after that loss last week to the Falcons, playing a little bounce back game. Listen, all they need to be, I hate to say the name, but they, they just got to be pulling around 500. And then Deshaun Watson comes back in and that's where they go from there. So
2: give, give, me, one, the, uh, give me the Browns. Well, and the last point to make about Chubb is that I, I, you see this a lot with a lot of teams. Brown fans will tell you that Nick Chubb is like the heart and soul of the team. When you're at home – Like against a fellow 500 team and kind of not a must win, but like, you know, it's really important. It'd be really important for their momentum to win this game. This is just like when guys like Nick Chubb, the captain, the leader, who's had a great season. These, So, yeah, like, and if that happens, they'll win this game. This is a
0: game, too, where I feel like whoever loses this, this is that game that comes and bites you in the ass come, like, Christmas time where you're in a must-win situation because you lost this game in October. I know some people say, oh, September, October doesn't matter, but in reality, it, it does.
2: And, and the and Chargers always find a way to lose that game. And they do. Kind of and they always find a way to lose these games. They always find a way to get people hurt. And this is another game where you'll get the athletic articles, the... You know, hmm, is there something wrong with the Chargers, you know? Like, you'll get that kind of rhetoric if they lose this game. Because they have – they still play the Chiefs. They still play the Broncos twice. Like, they have other hard games in the AFC. They play the Dolphins. They play the Bills, I believe. So, yeah, they got – they they this would be a terrible loss for the Chargers, but I I think it could happen. And it's so funny because the the media is just dying for that team to be their darling, man.
1: I know. Their knight in shining armor, and it just hasn't happened.
2: Of course, like, and everyone will blame the injuries and everyone will blame the excuse. But, like, I, I don't know. I, I told you guys, I think me, you, and Greg talked about this in the first show. The Brandon Staley thing, if they miss the playoffs again and go – if they miss the playoffs and go sub-500, I really do think he can be fired, even after only two years. Even though everyone loved him at the start of last year.
0: You need an offensive coach. I feel like everyone does really do this more, like, they'll they'll change it up. Like, Like, look – Anthony Lynn, offensive guy. Oh, okay, we're gonna bring in a defensive guy. Minnesota just did it too. Mike Zimmer was there, defensive guy. Oh, we need an offensive mind. We go out and get Kevin O'Connell. I feel like with coaching, with coaching, it's just you always change it up. Denver, what was Vic Fangio? Renowned DC. So you go out and get Nathaniel Hackett. Are we ready to talk crap? Are we ready to I I I, I wanna say one thing. We can be respectful. We can be respectful. We'll be respectful. San Francisco's, I'm going to say this, D'Amico Ryan should be a head coach next year in the NFL. He probably will be. He probably will be. Um, that pick six was, well, two things. One, perfect just ball spotting. I, I'm blanking on the guy. I did this last night, but I'm blanking Ufanga? on the guy's name. Ufanga. Ufanga. But the Matt Stafford throw on that was just terrible. He was throwing to no one, and then Ufanga literally picked it and just took off. Um... Is this spread a trap though? Like I'm picking the Niners to win this game, but is the six and a half? You know that whole they went and beat the Rams on Monday Night Football. They're gonna go out and wipe the floor with this weak Panthers team, cause like two weeks ago, remember the Panthers did the same thing against the Saints and uh, ran away with it. But when it comes down to points, you gotta go. If the 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 Niners literally need to get two touchdowns and a field goal, and they're probably gonna win this game.
1: I think it's only a trap if that Panthers team truly does not like Matt rule and doesn't want to play for him and they just fold and they know he's going to be fired shortly after, Um, you know, because there's, there's talent on that Panthers team, man. They're just not putting it together. Not, they're not playing well. Um, Sam, Sam Darnold's in the, in the rear view mirror there, you know, I know he's not healthy yet, but, um, and it's not really that much of an upgrade either, but um, they've just been like, Disgustingly bad, man. Like, they' it, it pains me to watch, bro, because they have so much talent on that damn team. Um, as far as the Niners go, you know, if the Niners play that Niners defense and and they're running the ball like they do, I don't think the Panthers have any chance to uh, to keep up with a, with a touchdown lead. You know, I don't think they can trade scores with the Panthers. So, um, give me the Niners to cover that.
0: This game also too. If the Niners don't win this, they go to LA and then they host the Buccaneers. So I think if this is a game where if the if the Panthers get their asses kicked, you're gonna hear like when the I know it's for like how Big Rat was saying like, like the Chargers. It's one thing for the local media to be blasting it. The fact that now after the Panthers lost last weekend. The national media starts blowing you up. The only thing I'm going to say about this game is why the hell is it in the four o'clock window? You have three Last games week, in the two. four o'clock. Yeah, well, I understand you're playing West Coast opponents. You're playing Arizona. You're playing San Fran. This game does not need to be at four o five. This game needs to be buried in the one o'clock window. So that's all I'm going to say.
2: My my concern. So my concern with my concern with this game is that you could the Panthers' defense. Has played very well. Like all the met, you, they've scored a touchdown. I think in like three of their four games or something crazy like that. Like
3: they had a football return had,
0: against
2: the Saints. They they ha, and they had a they had a, a touchdown last week. I think Frankie Louvo I think had a had oh, another yeah, pick six. Goal. yeah, and oh, he had a pick six. That's what it was. So yes, they have a they have a very very good defense by by most of the metrics, and that's what kind of keeps them in this game. I'm looking up right now, 12th in defensive DVOA. So a good defense by all those metrics. My fear with this being a trap is that the Jimmy G-led offense, I still think, can have issues. You kind of saw in that Denver game on Sunday Night Football. That was only two weeks ago. Like, they could completely go in a shell and not score a lot of points, which makes covering six and a half very difficult. Because if the – remember, this game's in Carolina. And you could just – the way the NFL works, it's like everyone buries the Panthers. They suck. They're awful. And they deserve it. And then the Niners win impressive on national television. And then they become a huge road favorite. They're backed like crazy. And then Jimmy G throws three picks. The Panthers score a defensive touchdown. And they either steal the game or they only lose by, like, five or something because the defense plays so well. And that is, that is to me, the scary part about this because it's that's nothing to do with the team. I agree. Like, Baker Mayfield I don't think is capable lighting up this Niners defense. I just – even in the NFL where things change week to week, I just don't know if that's like in the range of outcomes. But what is in the range of outcomes is Jimmy G could play absolutely horrible and the Panthers defense could kind of like they did against the Saints win this game on their own. So it's scary for me for that reason. I think earlier in the week I had the Niners in my pool and then I kind of made it more of a state way. Um because Danny's right. Like if the Panthers just give up on the season, they can get killed. And if that happens, Danny, I think you get a mid-season firing. Like kind of like – like it, it, you see this in the NFL where the coach in the hot seat, the team, it just feels like they totally flatlined. They just lose every week. They get blown out. And eventually the owner's like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I just, I cannot wait till December. Like, this is just brutal to watch week to week. And you could get, if like the Panthers lose this game by 30, I think Matt will really get fired because I just think they'll be, everything is just so dark. Like, where do you go? How do you advance the season forward? Um, so, that's why I wouldn't take the Panthers on the spread, because that is very possible. But I don't, don't be surprised if the Panthers cover this game just because Jimmy G plays terrible. That's basically my case. That Jimmy G could play terrible against the good Panthers defense on the road,
1: and that could keep the Panthers close. And you know that owner is looking at that quarterback class, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And
0: they'll take Will Levis. Um, this is the game of the week. I like Dallas. I don't know what it is. I think Danny said this to me week one, the LA's cooked. I think more people are starting to hook onto it where Matt Ryan's being, not Matt Ryan, excuse me, Matt Stafford's, you know, being the tough guy trying to play through pain. Um, But here's the other thing too. This reminds me a lot of those later years in the Packers where it was literally Rodgers and Devontae. And like, for some reason, Rodgers, like they literally lost the NFC championship game to the box because Rodgers was trying to find Devontae. It's the same thing, too, with Stafford and Cup. Everyone's going to figure out, hey, he's going to Cooper Cup. And when it comes to this, I think this is a game that – this could be like a squeak win for the Rams where everyone kind of goes, okay, we'll hold our breath on them. But if the Rams lose this game, you instill panic in them. you be like, they're not the same team. What's going on? Like maybe that sort of thing. But for the most part, when I look at this, the way Dallas has been playing, CeeDee Lamb's been looking good. Um, I saw the asinine remark by Mike Greenberg today saying that so far his MVP would be Cooper Rush, which, no, that's just... that's just God. That's that's That's
1: how guys like Matt Flynn got paid, man.
0: Yeah. That's going to happen next year. Someone's going to pay Cooper Rush, like, $15 million, and then he sucks. And everyone goes, why did you pay Cooper Rush? And they're like, oh, he looked good in the sample size. It it happens every year in the NFL. Every year. Every year.
2: I. This is also another one of those scary games for me because same thing we just talked about with the Niners. The Rams got killed on national TV. The Cowboys have been looking good. Why are the Cowboys five-point favorites and five-point underdogs? It reminds me a lot of the saints Seahawks spread. It's like one team has looked so bad. The other team has looked better and the better team is catching five to six. Oh, this is – you know, that it's just one of those trap lines for me that I can't really approach. I do think the Rams win this game. I do not know if they – it's just a lot of points to cover because that offense is terrible. Like they are – one of the worst offenses in football right now. It sounds crazy to say, but it is. They have no receiving threat outside of cup right now. Allen Robinson has been a mess. Ben Skoranek has out targeted Alan Robinson on the season. And I believe he out targeted him on Monday night too. Yep. It's it, that's a problem. And like cup cup is getting double teamed and he's beating double teams to his credit, but I do not know how sustainable that is. And The Rams, one thing the Rams have going for them, and now that I have the DBOA numbers, I can confirm to back it up. Rams rush defense. Their rush defense is third in the NFL in DBOA after four weeks. So against the Cowboys, that comes in handy a lot because if you can contain Zeke and Pollard, and you're only the limitation on your defense is your pass defense, well, going against Cooper Rush in LA with Aaron Donald, you know, kind of abusing the interior of that Cowboys line you can kind of see how maybe the Cowboys offense doesn't look as good as it's looked the last few weeks. Like, look, as bad as the Rams have looked, I still think they're a better team than the Giants. I still think they're a better team than the commanders. So this Cooper rush, like Ascension, you know, this is a bit of a tougher test for him um, in this environment and backup quarterbacks kind of eventually turn into a pumpkin. Like it usually happens. Now, again, people have been saying it for three straight weeks. So maybe it just doesn't happen in this specific case. But I do think the Rams bounce back here. I think them having a great run defense is key to them winning this matchup. And I think they'll go forward. But if anyone wants to take the Cowboys on the spread, I mean, I guess I can't blame you. They've looked like the better team. It looks like their pass rush is going to abuse that Rams offensive line. And the Rams can't get Allen Robinson involved. So, yeah, I mean, you would have a good argument to do it if you wanted to take the plus five.
0: One thing I want to say quickly before Danny speaks, I feel like this is the kind of game where Dallas loses – They rush back Dak for next week against Philly, Sunday night football, and then they get blown out, and then they lose two in a row, and, you know, everyone panics because when the Dallas Cowboys lose, everyone who's not named Stephen A. Smith panics. Um, But this is a game, too, where I think if either – if I think this is a bigger deal for the Rams to lose, though, than the Cowboys. That's just my opinion.
2: Oh, if the Rams lose, that's DEFCON 5. They'll be 2-3. and They'll have lost to some of the better teams in the conference – this would a home. This would be their second home loss of the year, aside from the Bills game in the opener. It's like things get things get late in a hurry, you know. Like they'd be really ugly if they lost this game.
1: Yeah, and like I said, week one, man. Just, you just look at Matt Stafford, and he's not the same guy. No, that that elbow. Like I said, they're they're not they're not letting up on the information on the elbow as much as they are. And if it is DefCon Five, and they go on this huge losing streak, you're gonna it's all gonna come out. He's gonna get surgery and you try to play through it because that's who matt stafford is he's a tough guy he plays through shit he doesn't complain which is cool hats off to him but um they should win this game i think this is a scheduled loss as bigger i likes to put them for the cowboys i think they know that i think that could play this week but they know this is most likely a scheduled loss let's just give them another week let them play next week um the matchup i'm looking forward to is cd lamb versus jalen ramsey i think ramsey's been beatable um, and CeeDee Lamb just needs to take that next step to really becoming that wide receiver one. Um, so I really, I'm gonna focus that on, uh, uh, my focus on that matchup this week. Um, I think Paul Pollard is way better than Zeke, so I think he should start taking more uh, carries from Zeke away, and you're starting to see that happen and happen against the Giants a little bit. So if, 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 if they get the ground game going, it's gonna be a close game. I just think the, the Rams are a little bit more talented than them and uh you know it's a scheduled loss like i said
2: one thing and i would say i definitely watch in this game one thing to watch for the rest of the season uh michael gallup came back last week he scored a touchdown he looked pretty good he got a lot of air yards so when dak comes back i know in the opener like they they played terrible it seemed like they had no perimeter threat like everyone was wondering like what are they going to do at receiver like should tolbert play should like they extend more opportunities to a kick returner. I forget his name, Turping or whatever his name is. Yeah, the so, kid from TCU. Yeah. So, no, Brown right, balls too. Yeah, and, and I, I think the whole point is that when Dak comes back, all of a sudden everyone thought, you know, the Tyron Smith loss would kill them. Tyler Smith, their first-round pick, they've been playing in his place at left tackle, and he's played very, very well, according to nice. most observers. It's kind of like Rashawn Slater last year a little bit. So when Dak comes back, all of a sudden it's Dak, an offensive line that's better than we thought it would be, Really good running backs and CD and Gallup, <laughs> That's that's not a bad combination. With as good as their defense has played, that that could be maybe like the Cowboys team of last year. We just um, need to see CD get
1: to that wide receiver one tier though. I don't think he's there yet. I don't. No, no, not
0: yet. The way I look at that too, as well, is Dalton Schultz. I think is a guy everyone's waiting for to have that explosive game, but he's been relatively quiet this year so far. So we'll see if this is the game for them
2: for him. Before, the time too, right. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is on the all, he's like there were all those tight ends that got tagged at the same time, like Schultz, Gaseki and Joku and got extended. Uh I, the last thing I'll say on this though is it's just a working theory. I wouldn't be surprised if Schultz has better chemistry with Dak than he does with Cooper Rush because he's been silent in all these games that Cooper Rush has been active. But at the end of last year, Dak was forcing him targets. He was like out-targeting Amari Cooper in some games. So, I think when Dak comes back, Maybe it's just the way Dak likes to play. I don't know what it is. Maybe Dak will force the ball, his direction, a little more often.
1: And also, Trayvon Diggs is starting to get going now, too. He is. Yeah. He is. He's, been,
2: he's been playing very well. So. Play played better in coverage, too. They're saying – like, he's not giving up as many yeah. yards as he was giving up last year. Mm-hmm.
0: Is this another Philly-dominant victory, or is this a game that Arizona can be, like, weirdly frisky in? I,
2: I took the Eagles initially. Um because this, this Cardinals team fucking blows. Like, they're terrible. Like I, I, <laughs> it, does, it does not matter that they won last week. Like, go, okay, going into last week, they were 32nd in yards per play on defense and 27th in yards per play on offense. So literally like the worst team in football, according to yards per play. Right now, according to DVOA, they are 29th with the 29th ranked defense and the 22nd ranked offense. And Philly, they're top five in every metric. But there's one problem. This Philly team... Um they seem to be really into themselves right now. Like just like there's they're 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 not they're not like the Patriots with Tom Brady. They're not like the Chiefs with Mahomes, they're not like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. They're not used to consistently being a 13-win team, you know, like over the last like few years or so. They seem very high on themselves right now, like just the, some of their comments during the week, everyone's talking about how good they are, how great they played and Nick Sirianni has always given me Manny Diaz vibes. Like Nick Sirianni seems to me like the type of coach that is able to succumb to a trap game, like very much like overconfidence with his players, like not like fully preparing for them every single week and kind of taking this game lightly. i hoping to remember next week is Cowboys Sunday night football in Philly. Like that is the game of their season next week. So kind of a sandwich spot for them. Like they don't really need this game. It's on the road and five and a half. Again, the Cardinals are awful. I cannot, in good conscience, take the Cardinals on the spread. I just can't do it. But I think I might pull Philly from my list because I just have a bad feeling that it could be like sleepwalking through the first quarter here, you know, and maybe like being a close game all of a sudden just because they kind of they kind of were buying into their own hype a little bit.
0: And also, too, I can see them overlooking this game just because, like you said, next Sunday is a true litmus test. Because I also think this too for Eagles fans out there. If there are any Eagles fans listening to this. You look at this game, and you're like, if you lose, is what it is, even though Arizona's a weaker team. You lose to the Dallas Cowboys, that's the game you do not want to lose. That's the game where that's a team you hate, that's a standard bear, and that is the gold standard, shout out to Ross, um, for the Eagles. So I could easily see Arizona winning. I don't want to pick Arizona, but this is just an ugly – this is – I'm going to say one thing. I look at all these over-unders. That's why I put them in there. I like this over. I like over 48 and a half points. I think this is a game where it's a competitive shootout, like a 27 to 24, 28, 24 kind of football game. Now, with that being said, I like the Cardinals at plus five and a half. I'm just going to say that. I That's why I, where I come in mm-hmm. with four points. I, 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 I want to take them on the spread. I'm not going to pick them. I'm just saying when I look at the spread – I can kinda maybe see it happen.
1: I just I just don't see how the Cardinals are gonna move the ball at all. You know, they decided, you know, well not decided, but Kirk got you know, he's kind of living up to that contract. I know it's unbelievable. Um they're clearly missing DeAndre Hopkins and what that guy does for that team is just insane. James Conner hasn't been the same. They lost Chase Edmonds to uh to Big Red's of offense, who was huge for them. He wasn't Brown run, hasn't, he was Paul hasn't
0: done anything yeah, man, so it's
1: like it's like how how do they move that ball other than Kyler, you know, just making magic happen and and the Eagles, you know their their defense just doesn't, you know, even the good offenses, they it's hard to move the ball on them. So I just don't see how this isn't a blowout. I know what you're saying they might be looking at to to the Cowboys, but they're looking to win the NFC at this point, man. they they know they have to win every game that they possibly can. Um, you know, maybe they grow a big lead into halftime and, and the Cardinals come back a little bit second half like they've done the Raiders. But um, I think Philly pulls away here, bro. They're just way more talented than, are, than the Cardinals are right now. The,
2: the, um, this is just a theory, and I could be wrong about this. I have no idea if this is right. But Vance Joseph in week one, he blitzed Patrick Mahomes relentlessly, and he got criticized for that. He was like, oh, why would you do this? Mahomes is great, et cetera. I think if you do that against this Eagles team, I think that might work. The reason why is because, I mean, your run fits have to be right, like, obviously. Like, because, like, I think if you do that, if the Eagles are just doing that run game up the middle stuff, but you got linebackers and safety crowding those running lanes, I think that could prevent the running game from being as aggressive as it's been. Because a lot of teams let the Eagles th- – they stay back on the Eagles. They're worried about Jalen Hurts' mobility. They're worried about AJ Brown down the field. So, like, that Vikings game on Monday Night Football, they played a deep, deep – Zone. they never rush. they just like keep everything in front of you because you're so worried about the scrambling quarterback and all this and that and they played back a lot of the game i don't think that's how you play this team i think blitz them dare jalen hurts to beat the blitz you know consistently like we know elite quarterbacks can do that patrick mahomes can do that aaron Rodgers can do that tom brady can do that dare him to do that and i'm also kind of biased here because my dolphins did this against lamar jackson last year and it worked a lot like when you blitz a mobile quarterback relentlessly you would think, oh, he's going to break the pocket and run away. No, there's no space. There's nowhere to go. Like the space in between the tackles and outside the tackles are all clogged by blitzers. The only thing you can do is throw it quick and get it and get the ball out to a receiver on a screen or a running back and have them go. The mobile quarterback's kind of trapped. And so if you do that, I think it might work. I don't know if the data bears this out, but I saw the Dolphins do it against Jackson and it worked really well last year. I wonder secretly if that could work in this game. I agree with Danny. The Eagles defense. They made Trevor Lawrence look horrible. They made Carson Wentz look horrible. Like, their defense, in my opinion, is better than their offense. But I think the Cardinals maybe defensively find some answers. Or maybe they win, like, a 23-20 kind of game. Or at the very least, cover, even if they don't win outright. Because the Eagles, uh, I think before last week, they had, like, only scored, like, seven points in the second half or something like that. It was zero the previous two games against the Vikings Smith and the commanders. They had this weird thing where they just, like, go to sleep Maybe, maybe like Danny said, maybe they get overconfident, they sit on a big lead, and they just let the other team come back. But Danny, five and a half points—you don't need a lot. Like if that happens again, no. that's not a lot that you need from the Cardinals' offense to cover that those margins. We'll
0: we'll just have to wait and see. But this is the kind of game that where if the Cardinals win, everyone's going to be like you know, kind of high on them, and everyone kind of gets down on the Eagles. And I think that's when the Eagles win. So I feel like. This is going to sound weird. I feel like this is a game that if the Eagles do lose, it's like don't panic if you're an Eagles fan. Um, yeah. I just want, Before we get to the primetime games and the main event, um, I just want to do a quick update on the Fantasy Football League to see how that's going. Just to let you guys know for this week's matchups, we got myself, the commissioner, taking on Bobby. Uh, Danny is playing Alex Lorenzo. Uh, Andy McNamara is taking on Pat Lane. Joe Miller is taking on Matt Beast. And Chris Ramey is taking on Matt Lorenzo. And right now, Andy McNamara... And Danny take up spots number one and two. Dan, uh, Andy McNamara, Dog Pound North, a record of 4 0. And my name is Jeff, or my name is Jeff, or son Danny, at 3 and 1. So this is a quick update. Danny's team is uh, actually also, too, I'm going to say this Danny, your team has the highest points scored in the league right now at 577.
1: And I tried a new method
0: because usually every year
1: I always go running back first round, always, always, always. And for your league, for whatever reason, I decided to try something different and go receiver and go heavy receiver early rounds and take Travis Kelsey in the second round. Um, And that shit's worked, man. I think I'm going to keep that method uh, going forward because honestly, the first round running backs haven't really been anything um, compared to like the guys like Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. So I think I'm going to keep that philosophy going forward. Zero running back works. Yeah.
0: Like my running in the league, I'm four and zero in. I'm gonna pull it up right now. My running backs, like I got Nick Chubb in the third round, and then uh, let me just pull up this league. Yeah, I got Nick Chubb in the third round. I also have Clyde edwards alaire I got in like the fifth of the sixth. And I also got Ramondre Stevenson. So,
1: yeah, you can find guys that are that are productive, man, in those later rounds. Absolutely. Look at James yeah, look Robinson at James- every year. Oh, yeah. Just
0: about to say, James <laughs> Robertson, too. Everyone was down on him this year. Guess what he's doing? He's still producing at a fantasy football level.
1: Yeah,
0: Sunday night football. I think this is the get right game for the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is that that I like them at minus three. I know last week Buffalo minus three, I was all over, but I think with with Baltimore in the spot, I think you know what. I just don't see it like you know the last couple years. My, my Cincinnati's had their number. I just don't. I don't see it this
2: time around. The, the Ravens are on my list uh, minus three, um, big time because like. I mean, yeah, very likely they push, but I think covering this number isn't the the biggest ask in the world for them right now. So the Ravens' offense is the best. Like, I know we said earlier, the Lions the best offense in football. The Ravens are the other contender in terms of the metrics. They're number one offensive DVOA, number one. And Lamar Jackson still has, like, more touchdowns than, you know, most teams or whatever. That It was every team last week. Now it's, like, less than that because J.K. Dobbins stole some rushing touchdowns, but it's still, like a lot in how good their offense has been. Their passing offense has been great too. That's what people don't understand. People think it's a great offense because of the dual threat of Lamar and all that, but their running game has been bad, very bad. Most of the year it's through the air that they're really dominating as crazy as that sounds because everyone was criticizing this wide receiver core, but Bateman's very good. Huvernay makes good plays for them every week. He seems to make some catch 20 yards down the field that they need. So Raven's offense has been great. The Bengals, the offensive line. Historically, last year under Wink Martindale, the Ravens would blitz Burrow relentlessly, and that was a mistake because Burrow plays against the blitz very, very well. And they have been blitzing a lot still up to this point so far in the season. I don't think it's guaranteed to stay that way. I think they learned their lesson from last year. I think there were specific schematic reasons why they blitzed the other quarterbacks. And look at the teams they were playing. It's like they blitzed the Patriots offense. They blitzed Tua, who hadn't proven anything yet, and they blitzed Joe Flacco. Like, I don't think they're going to blitz Joe Burrow relentlessly again. I just think that – I think they know last year they got burnt on that. And Mike McDonald is not afraid to not have as heavy of a blitz-heavy scheme. So, I think they're more flexible. I think they will not do the same mistakes they did last year defensively. And so, I don't think the Bengals' offense is going to torch them for 40 like they've been doing this season. The Bengals' offense, sneaky, not that great. I was not that impressed with them on that Thursday night game. And my Dolphins defense were playing bad for the year, yeah, they – have T. Higgins has outproduced Jamar Chase in the season. I don't know what that's about. It's been, it's been four weeks of it. Like you can't, can't ignore it anymore at this point. DDOA, Bengals offense, 27th in the league. Partly because they just can't run the ball at all. Like they have absolutely no ability to gain a lot of momentum on the ground. And the Ravens, with their their defense, has mainly been torched because their secondary has just gotten like absolutely freaking roasted a lot of the time. But They've been pretty good in run defense overall, and I just think this is a must-win game for the Ravens. Like, you're at home. They've lost six straight at home, whatever that number is, like two this year and four to end last year, and they got embarrassed by the Bengals twice last year. Like, this is like a pride moment. Like, if you're a team worth your salt, like, you cannot lose this game. Like, non-negotiable, absolutely not. If they do lose this game, you got to start wondering if there's some weird locker room stuff going on because you don't just lose seven straight home games like that without, like, putting up some muscle, stopping the bleeding. And this Bengals offense is very beatable. They're not as explosive as they were last year. This is the game where the Ravens should be able to actually put them a little bit more under control. Win, cover, pick the Ravens. Yeah, no, I wasn't impressed with the Bengals at
1: all, even hell against us when they, I mean, they beat us by, uh, by two scores, you know, like it wasn't for blown coverages and stuff. They really didn't do anything in the second half. Um, and, you know, they, they made it, like, a game plan to try to run the ball against you guys last week uh, on Thursday. And it just wasn't happening. And they just wouldn't abandon it, bro. They wouldn't abandon it. So I don't know what's going on with Jamar Chase. Uh, the chemistry has looked really, really off between those two. Like you said, T. Higgins has looked great, look better. Um, it's just I think the defense is beatable. Um, like you said, you brought up all those great points that I had no idea about, you know. What goes back with them, uh, the home games and stuff. So yeah, man, the bags against the wall for, for Baltimore here. They got to come out with the win. Um, I want to pick them to win. I originally had the Bengals, but I'm gonna look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look twice into this one.
0: I, I just look at it like you know how Baltimore's been on this this weird roller coaster. Like week one, Danny, they beat you guys. Week two, Big Rat. We obviously know what happened there. Week three, they come to Foxborough and take care of the Patriots. Then week four, they shot themselves in their foot. So I just think this is like. It's a get-right spot for them. It's that spot where there's a small part of me that wouldn't be shocked if this was a blowout by the Ravens, but there's a small part of me that thinks this game could be close. I could see a very similar game to the Steelers game, honestly, from the Bengals-Steelers game, but the Steelers, but the Steelers don't let up exactly. I can see a very similar game here where my Baltimore just kind of comes out and just puts their foot on the gas.
2: And, and we you know – we know this is a well coached team. You know, sometimes with the new coaches, the second year coaches in these backs against the wall spot, it's like, well, we don't know how well coached they are. So we don't know how much that matters. This is John Harbaugh, like at home. Like, this is, he, he was caught fighting on the tie with Marcus Peters last week. I think he knows the franchise needs this. Like, they need this. At the so, same time,
1: if I'm the Bengals, man, looking at this game, you know, you know we obviously got one to suggest that that should happen. We probably could have lost that game if Tua was still in there, you know, easily. I think Teddy Bridgewater had a had a fourth quarter lead at some point, right? You did. And you then did. they finally went down. They went down. They played well and they they put the game away. So if I'm them, you know, they they know the Ravens, how the Ravens are coming into this game, and to be able to put your put your you know your foot on their throat and be like, nah, like we're still here. um And if they come out with that right mentality, man, they they can still win this game, you know, yeah. absolutely. But. You guys make great points
2: as well. Baltimore needs this game way more. Way more. And and, the, and before we go, Chiefs, the very last thing I'll say is the Bengals on Thursday night, it was a nighttime, primetime game. They had 60,000 fans in that building. It was the largest attendance for Bengals game ever in their history. So in that electric, the most electric of all possible atmospheres, that's how they played. You know, they were very You're beautiful. Right. Like, so this is on the road, like, against that, against a Ravens crowd that should be very – jam-packed themselves and very loud themselves, I think they could play worse than they played on Thursday. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I know the Chiefs are a team that, Big Rat, we've been very um, very leery about when it comes to the spread. I'm not this week only for, for two main reasons. One, because we know Chiefs, how good they've been against the Raiders recently. The other, the fact that the Raiders got such a needed win last week and that they're, you know, it's that... They got their first win. They're back on track, and then Rome comes crashing down. That's where I see this game being. I like the basically. I like the Packers. I like the Bucks, and I like the Chiefs to all win big this week. If I had to do a favorites parlay, I would do that. If I had to do a dog parlay, looking at it right now, I'm probably going to say Arizona minus five and a half, Cleveland. Uh, Arizona plus five and a half, Cleveland plus three. And Houston plus seven. That would be an underdog parlay. This one, however, though, like I said, no. And the other thing I'm going to say, too, about the Chiefs last week, besides the just alley-oop touchdown pass, it's the fact that Mahomes is getting the ball to everyone is something I think a lot of people should be more paying attention to when it comes to this Chiefs roster.
1: And he still hasn't found that real connection with Juju yet. Which yeah. is, you know, which is weird because everyone hates that signing up and everyone thought, you know, it'd be no big deal. But he's doing it with everybody else. so That's even more impressive, man. Um, yeah, this Raider team is weird. Um, you know, we kind of we kind of figured with the Josh McDaniel and how he really is. Um, and, and there's pressure on him. I think uh, Mark Davis sat him down had a private meeting with him. And just, you know, he responded. He got a win last week. But uh, I just I don't I don't know I don't know what it really is I don't know if it's the defense I don't know if it's just Derek Carr is regressing. Um, is he forcing the ball to Devontae a lot? I haven't watched too too much Raiders.
0: It's been and shout out to Big Rat. It's been Matt, Matt Collins. Collins. Matt Collins, baby. no Matt Collins has been balling. Yeah, but yeah, I
1: mean like Devontae just hasn't gotten going yet, man. At yeah. all, he just
0: hasn't had that
1: huge game that you expect to see every other week with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. But um, you know, I know Josh Jacobs looked good last week. That's good for them. But yeah, it's just a bad matchup, man. I I I don't see how they steal this one at all. Their Chiefs defense are right now.
0: Their defense as well. The Raiders is, I believe, analytically, they're like in the DVOA stats. They're all like mid to mid to high twenties when it comes to all their I, stats. Their only bright spot so far has been Max Crosby. Besides that, like Chandler Jones hasn't lived up to signing. And there's been nothing else I'm, with that defense. I, I, I see him. a lot
1: of Raider fans are upset with that, uh, with how Chandler Jones has been so far. So,
0: you know, he got a lot of money,
1: man. He should be performing.
0: There have been some Raider yeah. fans, too, saying that Max Crosby is going to be D-P-O-Y, DPOY at the end of the year. And I'm just like, I'm not ready to
2: say that just yet. No, no, no. And I uh, so I did look it up, Danny. Devontae Adams is the second most targeted receiver in football. Yeah, so they're, they're throwing him the ball. Like, you know, he, you can blame, I guess, Sertan for last week. But – yeah, it's, it's it's resulting in a lot of empty calories. The targets aren't leading to big yards to big touchdowns. Uh, by the way, one is Cooper Cup. Two is Devontae Adams. Four is Tyree Kill. Five is Justin Jefferson. That third receiver? Hollywood Brown, believe it or not. <laughs> third most targeted receiver in football. Would not have expected that. Uh, I will say, this could be a gut right game for Devontae, if not for the Raiders as a whole. Probably not. But Devontae specifically, if you remember – Mike Williams kind of dominated these Chiefs cornerbacks a few weeks back on Thursday Night Football. So even if Derek Carr has to throw more jump balls – and I know that's – I'm not trying to dismiss Devontae. That's not how he won in Green Bay. I know there were very precise routes that he got open on and they hit him in stride and all that. But I think even if he is struggling to separate, which I don't think he is from what I can tell, like this could be the game where Devontae, a bigger body receiver, can kind of take advantage of some of the smaller Chiefs cornerbacks in the same way Mike Williams did. So you can at least see him play well because – The Chiefs, everyone remembers last year how Mahomes roasted the Raiders' defense, right? But the narrative was that Gus Bradley, the cover three scheme, you never run cover three against Mahomes. Well, Gus Bradley isn't there anymore. And Patrick Graham, he was the defensive coordinator for the Giants last year. And the Giants played the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, and the Chiefs only scored 17 points in that game. So, and I did look at the metrics, uh, the Raiders and DBOA. You guys are right about Chandler Jones having a down season. But they're still the 13th-ranked defense, according to DVOA. So the defense has played better than expected. Um, I would not – I can't touch the spread uh, just because the Chiefs obviously can just fucking crush. You know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are kind of a weird team because, like, everyone agrees they're great. Everyone agrees they're probably a contender. They're probably the favorite in the AFC and all that other stuff. But they also lost to the Colts. Like the Colts team that everyone fucking hates. The Chiefs lost to them outright. And they didn't cover against the Chargers either. And they were losing most of that game. And I think in hindsight, we kinda of look back at that as like, hmm, yeah, the Chargers were healthy then. But was that maybe a sign that things weren't as sexy as we thought they would be at that time. But uh I, I still think the Chiefs are gonna win. I the spread, I for me, I guess it's a stay away. Um I could see it going either way. And more than anything, I would just say Devontae Adams, take his overs. That would be my recommendation. Uh, it was a pass
0: them. rush, by the way, that I think where their stats are low, not the defense as a whole, but I think yeah. it's the pass rush
2: that's really low for them. Yep, yep, you're right, you're right.
1: So this is the the Big Rap Proclaimed Devontae Adams breakout game
2: Got it. <laughs> uh, let, let's call it the get right game. Bet, bet accordingly. The... Bet accordingly. Bet accordingly. That, that, that is my, my prediction. I am now ready. Darren Waller's got to get going too, man. And, Jesus, and they have—they have, they have to throw the ball in this game. We know the Chiefs are going to score. We know the Chiefs are going to get in get in front. So they're going to have to pass the ball to catch up. So what does that translate to? That translates to Devontae Adams targets, Darren Waller targets, etc.
0: I also now we're here, folks. We're at the main event of the evening. I changed the title. I was saying the feud lives on. I changed it oh, to oh, fucking smirk. I change it to meat in the lion cage. Why? Because I'm about to throw a raw steak into the lion cage. Let these two go at it. I'm going to mute myself, and I'm going to let the two Jets and Dolphins fans go at it and tell you why they think their team is the better team and why their team is going to win the game. Go. <laughs>
2: Easter.
1: Well, first off, first off, first off, I'm thankful to be sitting here at two and two and not, you know, 0 and 4, which we could easily be, or 1 and 3, you know. Um, so at least this game does mean something. Um, I'm not coming on here to say we're definitely winning this game. I didn't even make a pick yet. But this game is winnable. Um, it's going to be tough. And I'm very excited to see some of these matchups, especially um, Tyreek on our corners, waddle on our corners, who have been a top three group so far in the NFL. You know, they've absolutely hit on their corners. Their pass rush just started to come alive last week. You know, we had four sacks. Every uh all of our big guys had a sack for our loss and Quinn Williams. Um the way you beat us though is the middle of the field. CJ Mosley cannot cover our linebackers can't cover. Um our slack corner Michael Carter ii second who's a little undersized he's he he gives up plays but he's been solid man so If you, if your game plan is to beat us over the middle with Gusecki, I think it could be a long day for us. Um, But if your game plan is to continue to go to Tyreek Hill down the field, I think we, there'll there'll be an opening there. You guys play now on offense for us, Zach Wilson, man. I was worried. I was worried those first three quarters, man. I mean, obviously the kid hasn't played football in in seven weeks, eight weeks, and you know, obviously that's gonna come with rust. But that fourth quarter, I have not seen a Jets quarterback just be so precise and so poised in that fucking stadium where they're playing Renegade. Which Robert Sala said that is the kiss of death when they play Renegade. It's over, man. All those Steeler fans screaming their heads off. To have two back-to-back clutch drives and just go down and, and, and kill them was the most impressive shit I've seen in years, and that gave me hope. So if we get that Zach Wilson, this game is going to be a win. If we don't get that Zach Wilson, it's going to be a loss. Now, what the Dolphins do is you can attest with this. You guys play cover zero, cover one 50% of the time. So... You know, it's gotta be, Michael Ford is gonna have to design a lot of screenplays, a lot of get the ball out quicks, stuff like that. What we've been doing, especially with Eliza Moore, which pisses me the fuck off, is running these long developing routes that, you know, the O-line doesn't have time for Zach to hold up or Flacco to hold up to hit. So he's getting open, but it's it's just the pass rush is in our face within, you know, two seconds, not even. So that's gonna be a tough one. I really want to see how Matt, Mike LaFleur, um game plans this one. I know what's your your defense is what 29th DBOA? so they're beatable. They're definitely beatable. Um, it's harder to run the ball against them. fellows looking. He's starting to look good, man. Um, and then as far as that, you know, it's, it's a it's the way the way Dolphins Twitter is talking is like, yo, we're on to the next game. Like this is a win. We we don't fear the Jets. None of that. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to save these receipts. Like, Salah's been doing I'm going to save these receipts. I think you've been – we've been in the DMs. I think you're a little bit more realistic. You're not like them. But um, this game is winnable. It's winnable. I will say that. And MetLife's going to be hot, bro. MetLife is going to be hot. This is probably the biggest hype game that the Jets have played since – besides home opener. It's probably
2: 2015. So, we'll be there. The – there's so many angles to this. There's the, like, football X's and O's, and then there's, like, the the narrative, the aesthetics and all that other stuff. Um, I do want the Dolphins to blitz in this game, especially since – and this is obviously a double-edged sword. One, one reason I'm concerned and – me and Danny were talking in the DMs. When I was expressing confidence, is because I thought Byron Jones was coming back. He missed the first four games. He's cleared to come off PUP. This is supposed to be the week he returns. The Dolphins' secondary has been bad. Their run defense has been very good, like very, very good. Top five in the league good because most casual fans don't realize that Zach Sealer is an excellent run defender, that Raquan Davis is an excellent run defender. Rick, I remember in the show with me, you, and Greg, I was talking about how their defensive line never gets any credit. Like Everyone focuses on Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and even Javon Holland has gotten some national recognition for his play at safety. And everyone thinks that they're a secondary-built defense. They win in the back, and everyone up front is just getting, like, coverage sacks and cleanup sacks, you know, and the secondary does all the hard work. And I was adamant on that podcast with you and Greg, that's not true. This D-line, like, Emmanuel Ogba makes $16 million a year for a reason because if he's not getting his 10 sacks a year, which that's what he does, 10 sacks a year, which is not nothing, he also leads the NFL in batted passes at the line of scrimmage, which that's as good as a pass breakup. Like, if a cornerback does that, we celebrate a PBU, we track it in stats. When Emmanuel Ogba does that at the line of scrimmage, it's the same thing. It forces an incompletion. It's the exact same impact on the play. And Emmanuel Ogba played awesome against the Bills. Awesome. It is the best zero-sack performance you'll ever see in your life. Because it's so hard to sack Josh Allen, but he consistently pressured the pocket, consistently forced Allen to make rush decisions. And there were a lot of plays where Allen kind of misfired because he saw Ogba right in his face. And so he's been awesome, but he doesn't have the production to back it up. But I promise you, he's been incredible so far this year. And I do want the Dolphins to blitz because I do think this, like with Zach Wilson, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but he's an unproven quarterback. You know, like you don't blitz elite quarterbacks. You blitz the people who haven't proven they can handle it yet. And the Dolphins blitz the Jets offensive line. I know you guys have that weird thing with your tackles where whatever. What is it? You have four tackles on injured reserve or something like that.
1: But, uh, they said possibly Dwayne Brown's coming back this week. We don't know. That'd be huge, huge.
2: And I think I think you dare Zach Wilson to make quick decisions and see, you know, can he play a clean game? Can he avoid the turnovers? To his credit, when they played Zach Wilson last year, um, in which was a game in Miami, the offensive line got abused. The Dolphins overwhelmed that offensive line the entire fourth quarter. But Zach Wilson didn't really make the not didn't he didn't make the killer turnover. There was never the back-breaking interception, the, oh, rush decision, I'm just going to throw it into double coverage. You didn't see it. But just because you didn't see it last year doesn't mean we're incapable of seeing it. And I want to test him to see if he's capable of doing that without making a mistake. But one thing you got to give Josh Boyer credit for, they do blitz a lot. They adjust. Everyone cites their blitz percentage stats in that Bills game. And they did blitz a lot in the first half, but in the second half, Josh Boyer saw that the defensive line was playing well and their blitz rate went way down. They played a lot more zone and they trusted their front four to get to the quarterback. And they did on that game winning drive to prevent them from getting into field goal range. So if Zach Wilson is abusing the blitz, if he's like you said, your boy LaFleur prepares him for it. He adjusts well to it. He's throwing check downs. He's throwing screens, quick hitters to Elijah Moore. I think Boyer will adjust. I think he will be willing to say, okay, This was a good idea on paper. It's not working. Let's do something else. When we played Griff's Patriots last year in week one, they blitzed the hell out of Mac Jones because they just thought, you're a rookie quarterback. Prove that you can handle it. And Mac Jones handled it very well to his credit, which is you know, those checkdowns over the middle of the field to the running backs and the tight ends seemed to really get the ball out on time. So blitz the hell out of Zach Wilson. See if he can handle it. See if you can get him to force a three-turnover game because if he throws three picks, they're not winning this game. It doesn't matter what the other side of the ball does. Like, Because the Dolphins' defense, as you guys know, they can turn a fumble or an interception into a touchdown the other way. They're very, very good at scoring on a turnover play. So that alone could get them this win if they do that. And I think with the Dolphins' offense, uh, I am a little, on their defense, though, the one concern is that Byron Jones is not going to come back. Xavier Howard is questionable. It would not surprise me if Xavier Howard does not play in this game. Yes, sir. So, in theory, those Jets receivers could pose problems unless the blitz gets there on time. Like Danny said, unless they have long developing routes and Zach Wilson doesn't have time to get the model Elijah Moore and we sack him or force an interception. then that's how you can, I think that's how you can protect your young cornerbacks. It sounds counterintuitive. Why are you blitzing with bad cornerbacks? They're going to get torched because there's no safety help. But the other side of it is if the blitz gets there, they never have to be tested in the first place. They could just, They'll never have to be challenged in the passing game because the ball will be forced to a check down or the quarterback will get sacked or throw a turnover. So I do think, as weird as it sounds, blitz when you have terrible cornerbacks, which we probably will in this game, I do think it's worth trying. And then adjust off of it if it's not working and keep the safeties deep, play a deep cover to (coughs) the and let them beat you down the field if it doesn't work. But I do think Teddy will play well. The Dolphins' passing offense has been elite. Everyone wants to – I hear all these excuses week after week that it's just that Ravens game. It's just the fourth quarter of the Ravens game. They're number two in the NFL in passing DVOA. Number two. DVOA adjusts for opponent. DVOA accounts a full sample size. So if it was just that one good quarter and they played terrible on offense the other three games, it would not be second in the league in DVOA. They're second in the league in DVOA because they're very effective on a play-to-play basis. They didn't have a lot of drives against the Bills. They didn't have a lot of drives against the Bengals, but they were very good at getting touchdowns or getting field goal drives out of those possessions. So I think that the Dolphins passing offense is legit. And I think that even with Teddy, they could still connect with Phil and Waddle and make a lot of big plays down the field. But to me, the determinant of this game is there's like two major, there's three major inflection points. The first is, is Zach Wilson going to turn it over? We already talked about that a lot. You know, is he going to have a multi-turnover game? Is it going to be like Sam Darnold against the Boogeyman Patriots on Monday Night Football a few years ago? Like, maybe obviously not that bad because nothing can be that bad. But that's the first inflection point. The second inflection point is, can the Dolphins run the ball? The Dolphins' rushing offense have been very bad this year. They're 20th in rush offense DVOA. Edmonds... Edmonds is not super comfortable in the outside zone thing. Like, I think people get it wrong with the Dolphins. They think all their running backs are so fast. No, Raheem Mostert is fast. He's He has 4'3 speed. Edmonds is like four five five speed. Now, he's a very shifty athlete. He's really good at avoiding tackles, and he's very dynamic in space. Nonetheless, he does not have straight line speed. Like, people seem to think he, he does. He makes plays in the passing game, yeah, but he's not a burner. Raheem Mostert is a burner. And you saw last week that Mostert got a lot more carries. He was more comfortable in the offense. And I really do think the Dolphins need to run the ball well in this game. I just think – and it's going to be hard because Danny's rush, as he's probably pointed out, his run defense has played very well. But they cannot get by with a bad rushing offense, I don't think. Because if you force Teddy in second and 10, third and 10, with our offensive line, which is not great. Teddy's offensive – I mean, Je- Danny's offensive line might still be better than ours, even with the tackle injuries. I think you could have some problems. So I think – The second inflection point is, can they run the ball? And then the third is the coaching. uh, Most people, I think, know this. Mike McDaniel, Robert Sala. They're good friends. They've been really close friends since, like, 2006. Um, They worked together in Houston as quality control coaches, even before they worked with Kyle Shanahan in, in San Francisco. So they've been good friends for a very long time. They know each other very well. My gut tells me that Mike McDaniel is a better coach than Robert Sala. There's obvious bias in that, of course. My gut tells me. If you had to pick one to out-scheme the other, I think you have more evidence that McDaniel would be the one to do that because his offenses look great. Robert Sala's defense last year was awful, maybe the worst in the league, and that's supposed to be his specialty. And I know he didn't have a lot of talent, but you kind of see like like with Lovey Smith in Houston, like he gets his defense to play competent, you know, and he doesn't have a lot of talent either. But when that's your specialty and when you're good at your job, you can at least raise the floor. You can make it so they're not horrible. And the Jets' defense last year was maybe the worst in football. So I think – I know McDaniels only coached for four games. Given the evidence I've seen from both, I think McDaniels offensive prowess is more legitimate than Robert Sala's defensive prowess. And I think coaching scheme, catching them off guard can win them this game. We'll see. I told Danny this in the DMs early in this week, the jets better not single cover Tyreek kill. I know their cornerbacks have been great. That's been the story that sauce Gardner has like, He's shadowed like Jamar Chase and Deontay Johnson, and he's held them to really low outputs. He cannot handle Tyreek Hill because no one can. That's why I told you on your show. He's the guy you give $30 million to, not Devontae Adams, not A.J. Brown, not any of those other guys, because not only is he an elite receiver, but he creates for everyone else. He puts the fear of God into every single defense with his speed. Devontae Adams does not do that, as awesome as he is. And I said this before the season started, so I don't think I'm being reactionary to the results of the previous few weeks. Devontae Adams, fear of God in defensive coordinators, does not scare your coverage. The Broncos will happily single cover him with Patrick Sertan, they won't do that against Tyreek Hill. Because no matter how good your cornerback is, there's just not a single cornerback capable of covering him. And what you saw in that Bills game, the Bills over – like Danny's point was that Tyreek Hill didn't do much against the Bills, which is true. The Bills overreacted to Tyreek Hill a lot, and you have Jalen Waddell on the other side. You can't really afford to double cover both because if you do that, then Mike Kosecki is just running free over the middle of the field. Like Raheem Mostert has a free running lane up the middle of the field. It's really hard to double cover two guys. So when you overreact to Tyreek Hill – you give Waddle one-on-one opportunities, and he's too fast in his own right. He's too fast to burn most corners. Maybe, Danny's hope, maybe, maybe Sauce Gardner can limit Jalen Waddle. Maybe. I don't think he can limit Tyreek Hill. I think that would be a mistake. I think you your best bet is to put him on Waddle, hope he slows down Waddle, and then hope the double team on the other side takes care of Hill. But that's your strategy. I think putting him on Tyree Kill is one of the storylines of this game. I think that would be a disaster. I think he'll get burnt. And you'll have people saying, like on Twitter, why did Robert Sala single cover Tyree Kill? What a galaxy brain moron. And you could you could see the logic as to why he made that decision. But I think that would be a trap. I think that would be a big mistake. I think that would cost the Jets this game. And that's a coaching issue as well. Um, I know we've been talking a long time on this game. Uh, I, think, I think the Fins are going to win. I'm not overconfident about it. They could lose this game. They really – like they need this game in the sense of they probably cannot win the AFC East if they lose this game because the Bills are probably going to beat the Jets in New York. Sorry, Danny. They probably are. Of course. of course they will. And so because of that, like if they lose to the Jets and the Bills don't lose to the Jets, then you're going to kind of lose ground to Buffalo. They're probably going to end the year with a better division record than you, even if your records are tied. And so losing this game might cost them the AFC East. So from that perspective, it matters. But it's also like you're 3-1. You don't and have your starting quarterback. It's not a super high-pressure situation. If the Jets lose this game, that's a disaster because this is when the Dolphins are the most vulnerable. There's no Tua. There's no Byron Jones. There might be no Xavier Howard. It won't get easier than this in the Zach Wilson, Robert Sala era. This is probably your best chance at home. They have to win this game. I think if they lose this game – it'll be very embarrassing and it will start the narratives all year long about is robert sala the guy is robert sala the guy is robert sala the guy i think that will start if they lose this game it's already uh, started man. man it has yeah that, that that's it's absolutely started it'll it it'll get worse i guess is what i mean to say because look i mean look danny i know you're i know you're happy they won those games but if we're being objective as fans their two losses they got killed their two wins were oh, literally wow. one at the buzzer like
1: yeah, no, I'm I'm very real about the team. Trust me, I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking all the all the that you, you just pay. You know, I'm I'm happy with the record. It's just I know the problems are still there. And if you want to come out and you want to fucking post videos, how it's absolutely unacceptable to go 0-12 in the past two years to the AFCs, that we need to fucking win. The bullshit starts stops here. This is your best chance. This is as easy as it's gonna get. Not easy, but it, you know, yes. it, it, on your terms as it's gonna get, man. Fucking show up. You know, you had the big win uh, against the Browns. You hyped up the fans to go buy tickets, to show up against the Bengals, and, you know, you thought things were going to change. And the same old fucking shit happened then. And then you came back. Zach came back, fucking found a way to beat the Steelers. Now you have your fucking should-be, wannabe franchise quarterback coming into his first home game where even more fans are going to this game than than the Bengals game. And you need to show up you absolutely need to show up this needs to be a competitive game i mean so be it if you fucking lose by a last second field goal or something like that but if you're getting if you're losing by you know two scores man i don't I, god, get, help, us. god get, help us
2: it will get really 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 dark yes. and it, and it oh, also yeah. especially since because then you have to look about it it's not just you're not just evaluating Salah in a vacuum at that point now you're evaluating Salah of okay This guy who knows you really well just came in and boat raced you at home. So why should you be the coach for us in this division? Cause you have to play that guy twice a year. Like, why is this, is this not going to just keep happening? If it happened at home when they didn't even have their starting cornerbacks and they didn't have their quarterback, it can only get worse from there. So I think that the heat will turn up even more so. And the Dolphins could lose. I think Teddy's going to play fine. Like, there is a world where Teddy just plays horrible. I said on the show last week that he was outplayed by Skyler Thompson in the preseason. That's true. He looked solid last week, though. He looked fine. Executed the offense. Executed a 60-yard deep pass to Tyreek Hill. Like, if he could just do the simple stuff and if they can run the ball. I can't stress that enough. If they can run the ball, then they should be able to score 25 points in this game, which might and, be.
1: And I know you're you're you're, you're highlighting this the solid versus um. zone. McDaniel matchup so much, but Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel were in the same room for multiple years under uh, Kyle Shanahan, so they both know, you know, they both have tips on what each other is going to do, um, and what their tendencies are like, so, I mean, that I, I feel like that's more of the bigger target matchup there, is uh, McDaniels versus Mike LaFleur,
3: his
1: offense do, is going to...
2: Uh, he was obviously going like, yeah, play, play better with those unique matchups. And I, I do feel obliged to say uh, this was on my list. I did take Dolphins minus three. I see it's three and a half in some places. There I'm a little more uh, scatter shot about. Um, and I'm not some – rate. I did not take the Dolphins against the Bengals. I did not take the Dolphins against the Bills, even though they were, like, six and a half point underdogs. I still didn't take them there. I don't think I took them against the Ravens. Like, I haven't really taken the Dolphins a whole lot this year. Um, I just do think – I do think they're the better team. Like, no matter – If the Jets win, I will say congratulations. That's a big win for Zach Wilson. That's a big win for Robert Sala. A big win for changing the trajectory of the franchise. All that is fine. But the Dolphins are the better team. Like, I feel very confident about that going into this game. The question is, with all their injuries, are they better enough that they can kind of not steal this one because they're favored after all, but do enough. To just get the win however you can go into next week. Because I don't care about style points in this game. I don't care if they throw four picks. I don't care if they only score 16 points and everyone says this offense is fake. We've always known this offense is I don't care. I don't care about any of that. Like this is a win, get your style points at home kind of matchup.
1: Now I will say this, and I told Big Rat this in the DMs. Keep in mind, last week, Vegas got hammered, destroyed. It and a lot, and a lot of casual bettors are gonna see the dolphins against the Jets on the on the board oh wow the the dolphins are way better than the jets and i think this is going to be one of the top games bet and i could see vegas crashing in here telling you but that might be more so the three and a half hook could be yes very well so but um we'll see man i'm hyped for it though i'm hyped i'm very i'm very hyped i'm a little nervous i am a little nervous i don't know i don't know how to feel because this is literally the pivot point of the season right here. It goes one direction or the other. Because the schedule, again, doesn't lighten up. We're thrilled to be 2-2 two two right now. It's it's unbelievable that we're 2-2 two two right now. But, um, you know, it, 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 it can spiral fast, man. But I think these these players love Salah. They play hard for him. I have my opinions on him. I think I think the scheme is just so outdated, man. And they just make the same fucking mistakes. But I saw improvements, man. They played by far their best game last week against the Steelers. And if they can continue that momentum, man, you know, do, do what you've
2: been preaching, man, since training camp. Go fucking win an AFC division game. It's been two years, man. And and this is the game for Zach Wilson's offense. Like, I I know I just gave a whole spiel about how blitzes make him force turnovers. But if he is legit, like, the Dolphins don't have their cornerbacks, man. Like, this is – they're – their past DVOA rankings are awful. I think that will improve because I think their cornerbacks will come back. And X and – like despite what I said about the defensive line, X and Byron are still the heart of the defense. So I think it's unfair to over-criticize them when those guys aren't playing. And I think they'll both be there for most of the season. So I think long-term their defense will be fine. In this game, their defense is the 28th pass defense in the NFL. This is – like, if, if you show, like, they have enough receivers, they have enough running backs, the line is good enough, even without all the tackles. Like, to do, do something, you know?
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you, man. I 100% agree with you.
0: I just got one question to ask Danny Are you going to the game Sunday? Or the plan as of right now is no, because
1: my friend that I always go with um, plans to go to the um, wildcard game for the Mets. He's a fucking Mets fan. So, as of right now, no, but there is a possibility he hasn't bought his ticket yet, that he goes on Friday game one instead. If that's the case, then yes, I'm going to go, 100%. What's your pick? Because you know, all my friends, I, I have a whole bunch of giant fr- uh, fans, man. So, no, you know, I don't really have a lot of yeah. Jet friends. And I'm not pulling up to the stadium alone. I'm just not doing that. So you pick, I would love picking, to, though. You're picking I, them, right? Um, yeah, man, run. why not? Let's yeah. go. Jets are winning this game. Jets are one of this game. You'll see me in, uh, on the Big Red's timeline this week.
2: It'll be so it'll, After 4 after p.m. And, and per usual with this dynamic, I will be kind and respectful and compliment the Jets where they deserve it, and he will tell me how Tua sucks and how Hurts is better than him and how <laughs> they're a disaster and, you know, never give the same reciprocity that I I'm do. I'm coming hard. I'm coming hard Sunday if they win. I knew this was a fucking fluke team.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I'm is- sorry my camera's not on. I had to plug in my phone to the charger, but absolutely.
2: Fake 3-0, oh, fake 3-1. and one. Yeah, I know. Hey, don't man, for
1: somebody, for somebody who always wants to call a team a fake front team for one-score wins, you
2: look at the Dolphins and, and their one-score wins, man. I don't know. Hey, I don't they – okay, their one-score wins came against two of the best teams in football for one, and for two, they beat the Patriots by double digits, which no other team has done yet except the Dolphins. The Packers didn't <laughs> do that. The Ravens didn't this do that. Might, this might be another one-score win, man. I don't know. Hey, Okay, I don't care about a one-score win in this one. It's on the road with your backup quarterback. Okay, Look, after this game, they, get the, they go at Detroit, at the Bears, home to Davis Mills, home to Jacoby Brissett, home to Kenny Pickett on Sunday Night Football. There's plenty. Trust oh, so, me. so they can afford to lose this game. Absolutely. absolutely. They can absolutely
1: <laughs> afford to lose this
2: game. They totally can. And I will be the first one to tell you that when we're previewing those games, beating those teams is not enough. I do want to see some 10, 15, 20 point victories against teams like that. All right. But this is road division game with your backup quarterback. One point win. Call us frauds all you want. Don't care. And I'll, listen, another point is
1: as crazy and as hype uh fucking uh controversial as this might be, we might have the refs in our pockets this game, man. I don't know. I think the league's pissed off at you guys a little bit, <laughs> yeah. you know, making them look bad. So we yeah. might we might get a couple calls to go our way. So that that yeah. won't. Will...
2: And thank you for bringing that. Sorry, Griff, I don't want to take too much more time, but I do have to get one little point on this because I made a big spiel about it last week. Okay, look, the NFL is doing their investigation. What everything is pointing to with the Tua thing is that he had gross motor instability from his back. They cleared him to return because it was back induced, not neurologically induced. And that's why the NFLPA wants to change the protocol. You don't need to change the protocol if the Dolphins fucked up. If the Dolphins just didn't do their job, the protocol doesn't have to be changed. You change protocol because you realize, oh, yeah, the Dolphins were allowed to let him go back in the game because that wobble he had wasn't induced by his brain. So he was allowed to go back in, and we want to fix that. We want to make it so even if it's not neurologically induced, you can't go back in. Look, the concussion thing is weird. We'll see what the investigation says, and then I'll reserve my judgment on it. But I will just say. All these people out there who say it's not possible for his stumble against the Bills to come from a back injury, you're just fucking wrong. I promise you. I I majored in neuroscience. I'm in medical school right now. I fucking promise you you're wrong. You're 100% wrong on that statement. So I don't think it's crazy that that was caused by his back, and then the concussion on Thursday night was separate. Obviously, the fencing posture was very strange. It was very it's tough to watch, obviously, as a Dolphins fan and as a regular human being, just seeing that is very scary. But he's in concussion protocol now. Um they won't the Dolphins made sure to rule him out on Monday. They didn't want to deal with all week like the media shitstorm. How could they let Tua play in this game again? Um I, I think he either comes back next week against the Vikings or he comes back on Sunday night football against Kenny Pickett. Um that's probably when he when he comes back. But let the investigation play out because I think it's very likely that the Dolphins don't get in trouble here. That the NFL finds out, yeah, one was a back injury, one was a head injury. Like I know it looks weird, I know it's shitty, but they didn't do anything wrong here, and I bet you that's what you find out tomorrow. That's all I'm that.
1: I'm on Chris Nowitzki's side here. <laughs> all right, head trauma wrestler
2: from 2002. <laughs> Why are you paying on him? Who who lost to Al Snow and no, who beat Al Snow in a school record rocks match, but lost to Maven on Raw the next week. That guy, that's your expert. Look, there were there were five doctors, five doctors who said on Sunday Tua did not have a concussion. Tua did not have a concussion. Tua did not have a concussion. Have a concussion. These doctors. Also have PhDs, also have MDs. They don't have the pro wrestling background to get your shoulders pinned on the mat by Scott Steiner after Survivor Series 2002, but they had their medical degrees too. And not all of them were in the Dolphins' pocket. I'm sorry, like fuck, fuck Chris Nowinski. I appreciate all his work on the Chris Benoit case, but he's being he's being ridiculous right now.
0: Wow, oh, that's all I gotta say. That's what uh, I, I wanted. I know, Listen, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I gotta get in. I gotta get in. I gotta talk. Because that's what I wanted. What you guys just did, you both stating your cases. That's what I wanted. I'm going to give my pick quickly. I'm going to say the Jets win this game. And then they go to Lambeau. And then the Jets go to Lambeau and get stomped next Sunday against the Packers. Mm -hmm. Because I think the Jets need this game more than the Dolphins. So I think this is that big statement game but the jets this is this to the jets is was the play in last year to the minnesota timberwolves yes. that's all i'm going to say there so that's that's how i want to leave it um you no, guys wait okay okay, okay.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. we're both in the afc east right we yeah all, th- all three around. of us no, we have both us. been around the dolphins for as long as we've been football fans they right? beat the, jets a,
2: team, they beat the team, jets a lot with this
1: team with this team with this team with the dolphins does it not when it rains, it pours? When it rains, it pours every single time with that franchise.
0: I just look at it as which quarterback do I trust more? And right now, I know he's unproven, but I have to go. I want to go Wilson. But at the same time, too, it wouldn't shock me to see the Dolphins win because of the Jets' big win last week against the Steelers. Yeah. But then again, the Steelers are like the Steelers, they're mid. So with. But with both of these teams, like I said, it can't go either way. I'm just going with the Jets just based off of the emotional factors and based off of the who needs it more and who wants it more. And now I'll wow, say this, this as well with the Tua stuff. I think we don't see Tua until the Sunday night game against the Steelers. I do think that they ruled him out on Monday. You know what? Safe face. Avoid the PR nightmare that comes along with the Public relations and the medicals—he probably had something to say with that as well. Whether they're saying, he's "Guys, fine, by the
2: way, he has said repeatedly he's fine right now." Like well, we got
0: to figure he's, he's fine. fine. It's just like look, it's just them saving face. You don't want to add gasoline to an already lit fire. That's what they're basically doing. Um, but yeah, that's just my whole philosophy on this game. Like I said, I think it's just too. Like we said as well, the Jets haven't won a divisional game since 2019. I think this is that. This is just that it's that time for them where they kind of they'll win and then you'll get people talking about them. I mean, like, you know, the whole I know the Jets. I still have them. I think they're still a year away from really making noise. So that's, I think it's that, you know, are the Jets good? Are the Jets legit? Are they this? or Are they that? And then it's kind of like that slower progression for them. But like I said, if the Jets wanted to compete this year or not, even be compete to be relevant. I think they have to go at least two or two to four or three and three in divisional play. They haven't had a divisional game yet, so this is their first big test. Because if they lose, or if they lose bad on Sunday, that's where the Robert Salah talk starts. But when it comes down to a Big Rat made a really excellent point. I do think that Mike McDaniel is the better coach. I just think that when it comes to defensively, I think that there's guys like Quentin Williams who's had an excellent year so far. That guy's mm-hmm. trying to get paid. Quinn and Williams has been playing great. Carl Lawson. Master, yeah. Carl Lawson's still working his way back, man. He's yeah.
1: Last week was 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 the best he looked, but he's coming back from that Achilles. You know, the explosiveness isn't still all the way back, but last week was a positive step in the right direction. Listen, we could beat that. We could. Quinton Williams, that that matchup against Eichenberg, he should destroy that matchup all day long, man. And if he does that, and we don't have to blitz, and we can just drop back in coverage because Miami doesn't have a run game whatsoever.
2: That could change the, the
1: game. The game is there, man. The game is there for the win. This game is going to
0: come down to who wins defensively, in my opinion. More than i like to say the quarterback screws up, this game is going to come down to which team has a better defensive game plan.
2: I I will just say very quickly, Tua, like last year, this has generally been true in Tua's career. He usually makes the offensive line look better than it is. That was true last year, and that's been true this year so far. Like He just doesn't get sacked very often, even though when he does get sacked, it's an apocalyptic national television disaster. But I think that you could see today's point, you could see with Teddy – all of a sudden the offensive line looks a lot worse. And you're looking around like, what happened? This line has been okay in the first few weeks. It's like, yeah, because you don't have Tua making the quick decisions anymore. You have Teddy holding onto the ball, making a mistake, and all of a sudden gets sacked three or four times. Sacks that Tua would have probably avoided by just making – a better decision with the ball so i do agree that's a very much a risk factor for this game but you know what i'm tired of being fucking nice oh the jets need to win a division game they can beat the shitty patriots when they come to MetLife, or when the jets how about that that's when the jets can win a game you know what same old dolphins when it rains and pours same old jets this is the game where they embarrass themselves it leads to the head coach getting fired it leads to you starting over all over again Sam Darnold Darnold against the Patriots on Monday Night Football all over again. That was the beginning of the end of Darnold and Gase. That's going to be the same thing here. Fuck this. Jets suck. I love the passion. This
1: motherfucker. This dipshit man. Listen, just because your little overrated Dolphins had a good start, you want to fucking declare that you're. By the way, told me a Super Bowl contender. They he are thinks the Dolphins are a Super Bowl contender. Bro, when you have a, a top break, five offense,
2: you're a contender. Give me a...
1: Get to get, get through half the season first before you fucking make predictions like that, bro. At least make it to the playoffs first, I, man. Come on, I man. To- I told you their schedule. They're going to be nine That's and two. Fine. That's fine. But you guys you guys always, always find a way to fucking up. Always, man. And All you right. know this. You, your, your heart has been ripped out so many damn times by this team. For you to go and call them a Super Bowl contender after a month? After a month? Come, Come on. Give
2: me a break. By week 11, give they're going to be nine and two by week 11. Nine and two. And then we'll talk then. Clip and it. Clip it. I'm going to clip
0: this. So, folks, if you stayed till the end, we appreciate you. We love you. We thank you. I unfortunately got to wrap this up. I got to wrap this up because guess what I still got to do? I got to pack for my flight that leaves in 12 hours. So I got to go do that. Um, quick updates for man, next Griff, week, guys. You
1: pull up to that game and the Lions fucking win, man. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Positive vibes. <laughs> Only. Positive vibes only for all three of our teams, even though you guys play each other this week. So you know what? I'll let the two of you go to battle like I just did. Like how I said, you know what? Throw meat in the lion cage. I did that very fucking well tonight. So you two can both shut up. Meanwhile, with me, I'm going into this trip with positive thoughts, positive vibes. Like I said, we're wearing the throwbacks. I am there. It's Belichick's 400th game. They are not losing to the Lions. If they do, I'll come on in here and eat crow. But I'm also here to make an announcement for next week because I'm probably only going to be able to do one show. Why? Because I get back very late on Monday night. I'm busy Tuesday. Wednesday, I'm going to AEW, which I'm very excited for. First ever AEW show for me. Yes, in Toronto next Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, it'll be probably me here, maybe someone else. I know Andy McNamara and I will be previewing the Patriots Browns game next week. So stay tuned for all of that. But anyway, guys, this has been episode 187 of YWC Football Talk. And before I go, if you want a quick college football bet, because why? I'm a degenerate gambler. Texas, Oklahoma, over 64 and a half. Have a good night, everyone. And we will see you next time here on YWC Football Talk. That's Moneyline.